Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh. We have Blake waiting for us. We're going to be chatting all about Star Wars Legends and Canon, the two timelines, making comparisons between the two. What inspired things in the Canon that came from Legends? What is even Star Wars Legends and Expanded Universe? What is that? If you don't know what that is, we're going to be getting into that. We're going to be getting into what Canon is, how that's supposed to work, the comparisons between the two, talking about the different eras in both of those timelines, making comparisons between those. Just really hashing everything out as well as talking about our favorite stories watch for an intermission at around an hour and 23 minutes it's a super sized episode so stay tuned for that another happy landing all right, so this is a supersized episode. Around a hundred and uh, well, one hour and twenty-four minutes is uh, is going to be where an intermission happens. You f- feel free to guys to just pause the episode, come back to it later. It's a lot to to go through, so uh, we're going to be adding that in around the end time uh, of of the Star Wars Legends conversation that we're going to be having first. And then, of course, uh, we're going to be getting into Star Wars canon after that and just comparing these two timelines one after the next. But in that halfway point, uh, feel free to just pause it or, or listen to the intermission tunes. <laughs> and uh, as we are in the escape pod, traveling above Savarine at the moment, but... Um, I need I need some help trying to go through all this stuff, breaking down canon and EU and stuff like that. There's a lot of work to do that, and uh, of course we want to keep this entertaining and as as fun and uh, educational as possible for all those of you who all uh, want to know more about about this topic. So, so I've got the help of my trusty co-pilot and co-host on the show, Blake. Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. It's always great to have you. Hello there. Yeah, good to be back. Always good to have you back, man. We have a lot to talk about because, of course, this is two timelines worth of stuff. Now, we're, we're going to be skipping all the details, of course. We're just going to be breaking down each of these different timelines in the eras that they're presented and then pointing out some key books and uh, stories that we enjoyed as as we've been uh, Star Wars fans for a very long time, just kind of what stories in those different timelines and different eras we really that really stuck out to us that that we that we noticed. But uh, man, there is a tremendous amount of Star Wars content nowadays. It's, it's practically its own genre, right? I think I saw a, a video on YouTube today uh, of a breakdown of the entire storyline of the EU, and it was. This, it was, I think it was three hours long. <laughs> so oh, that's, that's getting into the nitty yeah, gritty. No kidding. <laughs> like, like that's, that's kind of going into all the details as opposed to like what generally happened in the galaxy. Yeah. And large. I think that's exactly uh, what he would have been doing. I didn't check it out. I just saw it there. 
Yeah. Um, and speaking of kind of the difference between these two timelines, because a lot of people might misinterpret this and I'm just, let's just assume that anyone listening at the moment might not have any idea as to the difference between those books that have the legends banner on it and the ones that don't. Right. Uh, so we'll kind of try and keep it as, as simple as possible and, and just explain things as if, uh, many of the listeners might not know yeah, what this is, true. even though they, they might very well know. We're just, we're not assuming, uh, y'all know yeah. nothing. We're just, we're just kind of going off the base that, uh, uh, you know, let's just, let's just start from the beginning exactly and rehash exactly what this, what this whole legends canon thing is all yeah, about. Yeah. I also feel bad for anyone who's going to go out and buy secondhand books because it's not going to have the legends title and you're going to have no idea what you're getting. <laughs> you're going to assume it's canon, but it, yeah. there's a good chance it won't be, but maybe it is. Right. <laughs> Right, right, right. Uh, so this is uh, this is an interesting subject. This is actually something that I very briefly explained in the second episode ever of this entire of this podcast. Like it was when uh, when I'd first kind of started this thing up, I had no idea what to what to talk about as far as content goes. So I did the intro, and then as a second kind of test episode, it did a really quick thing on uh, canon explained kind of thing. So it's been a while. Uh, almost, almost, uh, well, it's been over a year, um, year and a half, almost, almost two years or whatever it's been. But, uh, I figured, uh, this might be a nice, a nice topic to kind of pull out again and kind of get into actual depth and really compare it to legends because now we have way more substance material since I started the the show and everything. And, uh, we can really kind of put these side by mm-hmm. side and make more comparisons. Even a whole new than, era than, has come out since then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it's a good time to kind of break this topic out again. But um, first, I think it's a good it's a good place to start uh, as far as describing what Legends is uh, for anyone who doesn't know what that is. Um, a lot of the books and everything that you might see published, uh, which are not new books, uh, might be republished books with a gold banner at the top that says Legends on it. Now, this goes back to when Lucasfilm was sold to Disney. Uh, at the end of 2012, going into 2013 and everything. And Disney kind of immediately had this initiative to take the existing mass amount of Star Wars books and content and games and all that stuff and brand it as Legends material, which really classifies it as as a, a, a story that has been developed. And Disney wanted to start fresh and make make a new set of stories that would take place in the mm-hmm. canon. So uh, as far as canon content goes, they they said in a statement, uh, we are taking the pillars of of the Star Wars canonicity as being the six George Lucas films and the Clone Wars TV yeah. show, uh, which at that point was all that there was from George and nothing else. Like this is predating Star Wars Rebels, predating the sequels. All yeah, it was stuff. actually kind of funny because um, I... I saw a breakdown of the before and after of how canon was done. And previously, mm-hmm. the TV shows weren't as high level of canon as they are now. So they actually moved up because originally right. they were underneath yeah. the films because George always wanted to keep in his back pocket the ability to change stuff if he wanted to, right? So it was, it was the yeah, movies yeah, yeah. as George level canon, then the TV, and then like games, books, everything else was at the very bottom. Yeah, so before this whole two-sided legends or canon determined, you know, factor, uh, when it was all just unclassified Star Wars content, uh, there was a bit of a hierarchy as to how that canon worked and canon being like what's true to the source material sort of thing. 
So the movies were always A grade, uh, what they called G level yeah. canon for Static George, and George right? right? And then there were all these, all these le- almost like a pyramid worth of of levels. Oh of my canon. gosh, George made a pyramid scheme, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then it worked its way all the way down to the bottom where you get those comic books that were like a what if kind of happen scenario. Yeah, like, I think it was called Star Wars, Star Wars Infinity. It was or something a dark like that. horse stuff, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of the thing, or even uh, alternate stories that would have taken place had some of the movies not, like uh, Splinter's yeah. Mind's Eye, which was the uh, the the sequel to Star Wars. If Empire Strikes Back never happened, that was the first Star Wars book ever, which actually started the entire what they call now is the expanded universe, which is basically just Star Wars Legends in uh, books and comics. Fair format, warning: if but, you read that, Luke and Leia are lovers; they're not siblings. So, I know what you're getting into, right? <laughs> Yeah, Some weird Darth stuff, Vader's man. not Luke's Some dad in that stuff. version. Nope. <laughs> uh, so definitely worth mentioning that the term expanded universe, the way that most fans describe it, aside from the, the folks at UT&E, uh, the, the expanded universe term as a whole is the same as Legends. There is no, there is no more expanded universe. Uh, and that's something that I've I've kind of had to clarify to some yeah. people in the past that that officially to Lucasfilm the expanded universe is Star Wars Legends and died when the company was sold to Disney. So whatever the last book was in 2013 or whatever that or 2012 or whatever uh, that was uh, that was published by the the Lucasfilm book company at the time uh, that's where that's where it ended right um, and going forward with. Uh, a Star Wars Rebels book, A New Dawn, and the Star Wars Rebels TV show, and uh, the Marvel Comics lineup, which kicked off with Star Wars. Uh, all those things going forward. That's not Expanded Universe. That's actually all just Star Wars canon material, but it's a book and it's a comic yeah. and whatever else, right? So that's definitely worth pushing out there as a, as a if whether we say Legends or EU, it's the same thing. It requires... Uh, being classified as not not canon yeah so and we just worth noting we kind of talked about this last week but as uh, dave actually kind of referenced this and the reason why it's called legends is it it may or may not have happened in the star wars universe exactly as written mm-hmm. but the idea of calling it legends was that these are stories that are told within the star wars universe so they could be like folk tales right. or whatever so they're not yeah, like completely yeah, written out, but they're mostly written out. <laughs> yeah, and and it's a good way to look at it, right? Like it's a good way to kind of uh, to if you picture. I mean, I I picture it like a like a book with lines on it. Star Wars legends are like the lines that you'd write on, and uh, where you want to bring things into what you're writing is it's kind of there. It's kind of a base to work off yeah. of, right? Uh, kind of a a plane to kind of write the new story on top of yeah it's true and we've so, seen that they've actually done that a number of times they've decided to bring certain story elements back in thrones a good example I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll get into that later yeah yeah exactly uh so the way that they broke down the timeline of star wars legends which was uh again both of these timelines heavily rely on the movies as the source and then and then everything that comes after uh, in mm-hmm. these books and comics and a, a big emphasis on on the books and today's topic being the majority of how the EU and even today's canon is actually built uh, is primarily using books and comics rather than video games and 
and such. Uh, so they split it up into different eras. So we'll just go through the different eras and then we'll go back down that list and just talk about uh, some of the more notable stories that took place in those eras and uh, perhaps something that each of us have read. So really quickly breezing through here, uh, we have the era, the Star Wars Legends, Before the Republic, the Old Republic era, Rise of the Empire era. We have the, oh my goodness, the Rebellion era, the New Republic era, the New Jedi Order era, and the Legacy era. And uh, we have a slew of canceled projects that would have been the canceled era. All those things, the canceled <laughs> era, <laughs> which which was uh, a thing uh, because after Disney bought the company, yeah, uh, yeah. A, a ton of stuff just it's died. True. There's a handful of stuff in there I, yeah. I really wish had come to fruition. And mm-hmm. I think it's Jedi Fallen. No, that's what it was, that was taken from. Is the Boba Fett version? Was the original game called? Um, I don't even see it in here. I I uh, I can't. I, oh, I know what you're talking about. It was a video yeah. game. The thirteen thirteen. That's game. the one. Yeah, yeah. This is a book list that we're looking at. So that's yeah. That's kind of the primary. But yeah, the the games. If we can mentally kind of remember them, we'll we'll bring them up as we go. Um, but yeah, that's a good that's a good example. Actually, we'll we'll cover some of the cancel stuff when we get to the end of this list here. But let, starting with the beginning era before the Republic, there's one book. In this in this yeah, era, uh, very very unique timeline. This took place twenty five and a half thousand years before the Battle of Yavin, which is uh, in the Legends slash EU timeline. The BBY ABY uh, way of determining dates, which was stands for after and before Battle of Yavin, which is, yeah, uh, it's, is, it was comparing is, everything to the first movie. Yeah, and that's kind of an outside of universe determined way of it's for fans to kind of say, oh, that's that's when it took place kind of thing. There is an in-universe way of determining dates because, of course, in the prequels, the Battle of Yavin hadn't happened yet. So how did they determine time? Right. Um, And that's something that was acknowledged with the new canon that and also the reason why they don't use bby and aby in in the canon so to speak what, what do they use i'm curious i actually don't know because i'm looking at <laughs> I, I feel like the other I, timeline it's all based on bby aby <laughs> yeah 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 it hasn't been it hasn't been clarified okay. uh really that's just a wikipedia thing and again something that fans have used for years yeah. to determine when a book takes place but uh i've actually just always i've never grasped the ABY, BBY thing, I've always just said, oh, it's X amount of years after this movie or that book or whatever, right? Uh, I've never actually had like, oh, that's the the fan place mm-hmm. year that that took It's place. funny because uh, technically so Earth I, is the same, we run by the same concept, right? Or 2,000 years. It is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, originally it was yeah. supposed to be around the death of Christ or the rise, or, uh, rise of Christ. But they changed yeah. the the acronym to mean something else. So it's not Christian, but it's still based on the same year. So I'd actually, I don't know what the new one is. Right. And that, but that system, again, I don't know how long after that that system was, was, yeah, I wish I, I wish I knew more about the, the earth's earth calendar and the way that it works and stuff, but I guess, you know, long behold, um, 
So did you read, a new, uh, this is the only book that takes place in before the Republic era, the very first era here, uh, Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void. It's a, it's a book that really explored the origins of the Jedi themselves and uh, never, it had, a, it had a predecessing short story that took place before that called The Adventure of Lenore Brock, Jedi Ranger, Jedi spelt J-E-D. A I I yeah they did that um, for a while. Those be like the ancient Jedi spelt it differently. Yeah, Jedi. <laughs> uh, but yeah, did you read this or, or no? Or I actually we, uh, didn't know this no. existed, but I, I do recognize the the uh, the cover art, so I've seen it in shops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. It's it's worth notice. It's worth noting. Um, this book was pretty big when it came out, but it, it really explored kind of the the origins of the Jedi. Uh, starting on the Tython system, which is is known to be a a big name planet in the in the EU in Legends as a place where the Jedi began. It's been, it showed up in the older public video games, and uh, even in the canon now with the Mandalorian, they reintroduced Tython as an existing that's planet, right. and uh, and that's where Dinjar and takes Grogu to put him on the Seeing Stone. So that's that was Tython brought into the canon, but uh, once again, a planet that. Started in Legends, made its way to canon, and uh, this book prominently features that planet as a, as a source place. So, the only book in that entire era. So we can move on to the older public. Hmm. It's kind of neat. Though, I know you're a big fan of the. That there's it they is. did have yeah, like it, it this is. small section at the very beginning because they did kind of nail down mm-hmm. when the Jedi started as Jedi, yeah. as opposed to yeah. just kind of always being around. Right. And that's, yeah. And that's again, 25 and a half, almost 26,000 years before episode four, basically. And we go to the older public era now, which only takes place uh, 5,000 years to about 3,000 years before, uh, before episode four. So that skips like a huge chunk of time, like, like thousands 20, of years. years. Yeah. And now we're in the older public. So, so which starts off with the Lost Tribe of the Sith series. And then we start getting into the older public, uh, you know, introduce characters like mm-hmm. Revan. Yep. We had uh, k- books like Red Harvest uh, take place. Oh, yeah. Uh, some more of the Lost Tribe of the Sith and the Darth Bane trilogy, which is uh, known to be a very, uh, very great series of books. Did you read, play any of the games, Knights of the Old Republic, yep, any of that? I definitely did. Uh, I played both the original KOTOR games and I kind of dabbled in the Tor game. The spinoff MMO, but found it wasn't really for me. Uh, as well as I've read Red Harvest, and I think I've read the first twenty five percent of the first Darth Bane book. <laughs> mm. yeah. Okay, so for me, I, I dabbled in the Old Republic game. Same with Knights of the Old Republic. Never finished either, though, so to speak. Uh, I did delve into some of the Lost Tribe of the Sith books, uh, but not very many. I think it was possibly the 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 it was like a prologue book, which took place before the first book. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then I, I don't think I read anything else in that era, but it was fully mm-hmm. aware of, of, of it and, and everything. Yeah. Um, this is a yeah. weird era because this is the only section of Star Wars, uh, I guess, EU or Legends that is kind of like wavering on somewhat canon, but not canon. Because there's mm-hmm. nothing else in this era to overwrite it, and the games are still coming out in that era, so it's like it's the only yeah post or pre 
Disney takeover thing that still exists and is still going. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, the Old Republic is still a very active game with a large player base. And uh, even though it is still deemed as Legends, nothing that Disney's doing right now is is overriding that yeah. content. The only thing I would say that comes close is introducing Darth mm-hmm. Bane as a Sith ghost in uh, or a spirity kind of figure in the clone wars t- in the in the the one of the arcs that yoda went to to moriband which is the the newer term that the jedi used to call yeah. Korriban, uh which is sith the sith homeworld which is basically tython to yeah. the jedi but to the sith is Korriban, and uh they introduced a visual aesthetic to him which was not uh something that came out of legends it was an all Look, new yeah visual he was depiction. always seen yeah. as this guy with like facial tattoo tattoos and like shaved head and stuff and then when yeah, we saw him yeah. he was uh covered in samurai armor essentially and it's not mm-hmm. to say that that was his battle attire right and then there's no right. reason to think that, right. uh, that he still doesn't look the same as the books uh something that i thought was actually interesting that i found out today is in i believe it was in the in the mandalorian I could be wrong on that, but because I'm not sure specifically where, but this is requoting. Um, it speaks to how maybe, maybe it was Rebels. Anyway, uh, it speaks to how the language has changed over time, and it would have been called Korriban in the days of the Old Republic, but as time progressed, we now call it Moriban. Mm-hmm. So Korriban is now recanonized. Which is right. pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually do. I do remember reading about that somewhere. Um, I, th- I think it's also there's been a few comic books from Dark Horse that also took place in this era that aren't mentioned on this list called Tales of the Jedi, which introduced characters like Ulic Queldrama and Exar Kun. Okay. And uh, it's it's worth noting that those also took place around the the four thousand year before Battle of Yavin kind of oh, time period which okay. would which would fit in this in this era yeah, and i think it's actually yeah and i think it's even before the older public games that even take place so technically those stories are wedged between the older public era and before the republic which are not actually on that list that we're going off of but they're they are there so um yeah do you know why those i those i read those i read do you know uh, why they they changed corban to moriban I, I I remember it's because George made the, the the choice to uh to because it sounded too similar to Coruscant or something. Well, Wasn't the quote it? I heard was George likes the letter M better than K. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's putting it almost too simply. I think. <laughs> I, yeah, it was it was because of the rest of the name. It had too much of a similar ring to other uh, planets okay. and stuff. I mean, that should make and, it fit in it, better, but who knows. It, it makes sense because his whole philosophy when making the movies was if he looked at a concept art that looked too similar to something mm. else in three seconds, if it, if he could think of like, oh, that reminds me of this, he wouldn't go right. with it, right? He would only put his stamp on the things that were very new and very Unique, different. Right. And yeah, and that's why I rag on Force Awakens so much because <laughs> it's, it's just, it's literally right. everything George wouldn't do. Yeah, Everything, true. like down to the visual aesthetic of the planet's. He wouldn't do it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I just, I've got a big problem there. But anyway, yeah, that's there has problem. become a lot of rehashing of planets. We've come across a lot of jungle yeah. moons. Yeah. And we've come across a lot of sand planets. Yeah, yeah, it's it's honestly getting a little, 
recycled at this point um but whatever anyway so old republic everybody uh that's uh that's a a very prominent well-respected era amongst many fans of course many of us have been wanting disney to canonize and and go back and re-explore that that especially revan again it's so cool to have revan back again and dave filoni was right at the Mm -hmm. cusp of canonizing revan but then disney cut off clone wars (laughs) honestly if if you ask me i think honestly i think they have in a way canonized the character and i forget exactly where he's been mentioned but i'm pretty sure they have deemed him as a kind of like uh Kind of like Darth yeah. Bane, inventor of the rule of two of the Sith. Uh, they've they've classified him. Well, he not only was he in the Clone Wars, but um, but uh, they've kind of thought of that philosophy as like, oh, there was mm-hmm. a Sith that made this rule of two and everything. His name's Darth Bane. Let's just make it canon, right? Um, I think Darth Revan's one of those characters. Yeah. So prominent. Let's just call it canon. Yes, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he's they, in nothing. It's become still. so popular that they can't, he can't rewrite that section to, some, to the entirely because the idea of these characters being attached to something that's already canon, I think mm-hmm. redoing it would offend too many people. So with Bane, he created yeah. the rule of two for the Sith, which we know, which is canon mm-hmm. as of the Phantom Menace. And Revan was the, the Jedi that won the war against the Mandalorians during the Mandalorian Wars. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which is also canonized because uh, oh, of Clone Wars. I I found something which just jogged my memory. Mm-hmm. So they kind of name dropped Revan. Aside from the mention that you had about sl- being slated to appear in the uh, the Mortis trilogy in, in uh, the Clone Wars, uh, Revan was name dropped in The Rise of Skywalker uh, as one of the Sith Eternal armies. The one of the legions was named after Revan. And that showed up in Pablo Hidalgo's book, Rise of Skywalker, the Visual Dictionary. So technically the character, once again, it's one of those obscure things like it's a canon character, but the stories that he's been in so far personally are not. So weird gray area. So for all all we know, he could could be just some strange frog creature on a back planet. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. So as we approach the end of the Old Republic, we start getting into the biggest era in the Legends uh, timeline, which is known as the Rise of the Empire era, which uh, begins with Legacy of the Jedi and Darth Plagueis and goes all the way down until we hit... Oh, sorry, I missed it. All the way, All the way down until we hit about four years before... The Battle of Yavin, which is, um, to give you a sense of time in the canon timeline, that's about the same time as when Star Wars Rebels begins to take place. So kind of in between episode three and four, that's that's where this timeline takes place. Uh, uh, quite a... Oh, sorry. Hold on a second. No, all the way up until a, a year. A year before. Yeah, a year before um, episode, episode four. I want so, everyone to know yeah, that kind of, the... The right Last Jedi took place in this era because there's a book here called The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about The Last of the Jedi. It just says The Last Jedi here on Wikipedia. Oh, oh, the oh yeah, there is a book called The Last Jedi. 
Oh, yeah. You did it first. I remember this book. <laughs> I remember you this book. This? Oh, dude. No, I, I didn't read it, but I remember seeing it on shelves everywhere because this was one of the last books in the canon. Or sorry, in the in the sorry, this was the one of the last books in the EU that got published before Disney killed everything. This was uh, released February 26, 2013. That was like around the same time that the completion of the acquisition right. like yeah, yeah. was almost final, right? I think. Uh, well, it took place over the whole yeah. year, but it was like that was when they signed the papers. You're saying this book was just so. before the dark times, before the empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, I'd never read that one, but I was kind of curious about it. Well, anyway, so big giant era. Um I mean, let's just scroll down this list. Like, did you read anything that that happened in this time frame? Well, I've read a bunch of stuff. Because this is a big time frame. Yeah. I mean, this goes the, from the Force Unleashed before the Phantom Menace. In here, and I actually did read the Force Unleashed book. Yeah. Played the games, Force Unleashed games. Yeah, so good. I like them a lot. That's uh, the most controversial thing. Darth Vader having a Sith apprentice. Mm-hmm. Did you read the uh, the Darth Plagueis novel? I did, and I liked it a lot. It was actually one of my favorite Star Wars novels, so I was very disappointed when it was uncanonized. It is. And it, it is my favorite EU novel, EU uh, Legends I mean, novel. It's so well done. Like If they were to pick... Okay, this is tough because there's a couple different things because I love the Revan story too. But as far as just a single novel of this whole EU list to, re- to recanonize... A single standalone novel, it would be the the Plagueis. If you if you yeah, give me a little more room, yeah. more than one book, I'd probably go with the Thrawn trilogy. But this will have to do. <laughs> right, yeah, and uh, yeah, and and it's worth noting that Darth Plagueis here was was written by James Lucino in uh, published in 2012. It looks to be so again not not that old. Of well, I guess now it yeah, kind of 2012. I actually thought it was prior to that. Yeah, I, I did too, but I guess I guess now I was around that time. And it's worth noting that when James Lucino did the next canon book, which was Tarkin, which is one of the first canon books that uh, got published, uh, there were some elements that he actually used from the Darth Plagueis novel in the in the Tarkin so he book. He snuck it in, so is what you're saying. He snuck some things in, and not directly correlating Darth Plagueis, but there was something about a droid or something that, that popped up, which was a character in both both books and and so i think in a way because of course darth plagueis no (laughs) it was it it was uh um because the character itself is brought up in the movies uh i think many people really determined that that plagueis is a a canon canonized character that that palpatine killed and but what i really loved about the book was that it overlaps with the the time frame of the movie of phantom menace and added so many levels of depth to that movie and it was the best experience reading a star wars book i've ever had it was pretty cool i was like man this is actually filled in all the behind the scenes stuff so as opposed to following the jedi uh go to naboo we're actually on Coruscant and dealing with the, the preparation of the war, kind of being all set up behind the scenes and really uh, following mm-hmm. Palpatine through a lot of it. It's worth noting that Darth Plagueis also lived a really long time. And uh, at, at the moment in the canon, we're seeing a new era take place, take shape, uh, the High Republic era, which is new to Star Wars as a whole. But it's worth noting that the existence of Plagueis would have overlapped with this timeline in the canon. So, 
Uh, there's a Disney Plus show coming out in the next year or two called The Acolyte, which is something I'm really looking forward to. But uh, as we kind of explore more of the High Republic era, we're, we're dealing with the, a, a villain called the Nihil right now, or the the Knee Hill. Nihil, that's right. Um, yeah. Nihil, Nihil. For the Nihil. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're dealing with them. And, and uh, I think as soon as we move past that, though, when the Sith start to show up again, like I think Plagueis could be the next big thing that we might re-explore in the canon again, whether it be a show or a movie or whatever. Do you think it'll uh, be that early in the timeline? I think I think it's it's possible. I mean, honestly, if we were to get a standalone villain movie, a young Palpatine film with Plagueis as a master would not be out of the question. Oh, okay, like, I see what you're saying. I would totally mm-hmm. I would totally see a, a young Palpatine kind of origins movie, seeing as they brought him back for Rise of Skywalker, made him such a prominent part of the sequels, which wasn't the plan to mm-hmm. begin with, but now that they've made such a big deal about this character and his lineage, why not start from the beginning and show where he it came be pretty from? Right? Cool. And, the only and, issue I see is, yeah. and this has been an issue with the number of books people want to turn into films, is both the main characters are villains, right? They're not heroes. Yeah. And right. if this was Fox, they'd probably do it, but it's Disney. So... <laughs> Well, now they're one and the same. Yeah, true. But they are keeping Fox like R-rated or whatever, apparently. Yeah. Could you imagine if Fox made a Star Wars movie? Like, that would be... You mean A New Hope? <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> no, I mean, I mean, uh, like, today. Like, like you know, like, next year. Like, in, a, in, in five years, we're sitting down at the theater, and again, we see the fanfare, the Fox fanfare, you know, be before a Star Wars movie. Like, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be crazy. People were right? hoping that they do, yeah. like, something similar for, like, the re-release, but they never did. Oh, I got one. Yeah. I got one for you. So, you know, Darth Plagueis was a moon. Darth Plagueis a moon? was a what? Uh, oh, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, a moon. A moon, a moon. Yeah. And, and in the, the moon are the, the, the banking clans, right? Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah. why yeah. the moon are the banking clans? Because they that? got lots of moony. <laughs> well, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel with that one. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, another notable series that took place in this era was the Jedi Apprentice series, which was written by Jude Watson and uh, also contained elements in the Legacy of the Jedi book. This was a long series over almost around 20 Dang. books worth. Of, and these are the scholastic novels, all kind of for younger readers, but were very solid stories. Jedi Apprentice really focused in on the early relationship between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. And uh, eventually that series led into, you know, the the next series that Jude Watson did, which I only wrote, read a few books from Jedi Apprentice, but the one that was really prominent when I was kind of a young fan was the Jedi Quest series, which took place between episodes one and two, which was 10 or so books long uh, and uh, narrowed in on the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And uh, then that proceeded to follow through with those those characters and that that narrative into the next and final series that she did in this era called the last of the jedi which focused in on obi-wan 
in the desert on Tatooine and then leaving Tatooine and his responsibilities with Luke to try and do something about the Empire and all this. So there actually was storylines about Obi-Wan in this time frame Mm -hmm. then when he was looking after Luke. Right. Yeah, there was a few things. Uh, There was also a book called Kenobi, which was uh, written by John Jackson Miller, I believe, which also took place uh, in the same kind of time frame in this era. Uh, yep, yeah, uh, it's on this. It's in this era. It takes place shortly after Episode Three. Oh. And uh, anyway, the last of the Jedi series was about Obi Wan recruiting a character, uh, very similar story to uh, Ahsoka being kicked out of the Order and everything. Except this character in the EU is known as Furious Olin, and Obi Wan was was recruiting him to kind of be a an agent of his. And the story. 10 books long focused in on him. I read both the last of the Jedi series, Jedi quest and some of the Jedi apprentice books. And I got to say that's that to me, as far as the EU goes and this era, that was like the highlight for me out of like all the books that oh, happened really? mm-hmm. in that time frame, even beyond the Republic commando books, because as much as I love Republic commando as a video game, which also happens in this era, uh, I, I still love these books so much more. And I, I think it might also be because I grew up reading them. At a yeah, age, that makes sense. But, I mean, I, they're solid stories, though. The Commando yeah. books were really good, at least at the start. They kind of, like, meandered a bit towards the end, uh, got held down mm-hmm. by their own grandness, probably. But overall, they were a really good series. I was very sad to see them go, the decanonization. Thankfully, yeah. they were yeah. recanonized in the in the Clone Wars to at least exist. As far mm-hmm. as if there's a... A clone commando who fell in love with a Jedi and had a half clone, half Jedi child. I'm not sure if that's canon anymore, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, no idea about that one. Because um, we do know that the clones can breed because there's a clone with a, a kid in uh, arc. When we actually meet, I believe he is a commando, which is even funnier. Right. Yes. Um What's this? Wait, sorry. What was the name you were talking uh, about? So we come across. Oh, wait, no, I think I might be thinking of two different arcs. Yeah, sorry. There's two different arcs. We, we meet a, Cause the a first, commando the f- who ditched and the droids find him, right? On the like abandoned planet. Uh, in the first in the first book, it's about a, 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 a clone commando that comes across with a, a Jedi kid mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, who's like a couple of years younger than him, but he's also sorry, you know, born yesterday. No, I was talking about uh, the Clone Wars cartoon series or the three D. Oh, oh, sorry, you're talking about Gregor. Gregor the, yeah, the Gregor is the one we yeah. meet. Uh, but I was getting him mixed up with the other clone that Rex finds, and oh, Laquade. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he actually has yeah. a kid. It's half right, Twi'lek. Half Twi'lek, yeah. half human. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sorry. Kind of got my wires no, crossed. Sorry, there. I was comparing the two. <laughs> um, yeah, this era was was pretty big. Even Timothy Zahn had a book in this era called Outbound Flight. Yeah, I was just looking at that. Which really f- focused in on, uh, on the kind of start of Thrawn's relationship with the Empire mm. and uh, and his introduction to, to Sidious, I believe. And, and I, I don't know the details of of, of that so i never read the book but um i actually did own it that's funny <laughs> and then i yeah and then and then i uh ended up returning it because uh i just couldn't couldn't get around to it yeah but, I, I think um, you described it pretty well bryce i haven't read it myself but bryce told me a bit about it and it was 
Thrawn's first connections. Uh, they they mm-hmm. find the Chiss planet and they decide because they're a very secluded race. They decide to send only Thrawn to basically see the rest of what is known as like the Republic of this era or, or early mm-hmm. Empire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, actually that, well, I mean, there's so many things that happen and I mean, the, the, the force unleashed is a, is a big one for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, I also want to talk very briefly about the Boba Fett series because that one was, was a great highlight series, which was, uh, a couple books long. I think it was five, five or so books and they, they sprinkled through the whole, the whole era, but, um, or six books actually, uh, that, that, um, uh, brought in characters like Dirge, uh, or a Singh, uh, Boba Fett, all in a uh, in the form of this uh, again, like a scholastic sized, uh, which is like junior junior reader sized books, paperback books, and they were some of the best stories I'd ever read about Boba. And it was about him following his father's death after Geonosis, all the way up until how he embraces his role as a bounty hunter, and um, the, it really focused in on this journal that Django had left behind, and it was about the legacy of that journal and things in the helmet when he put the helmet on like there was video recordings that would play to him and stuff uh basically just teaching him how to be him like how to be Django, uh and and how to kind of embrace his role as a bounty hunter and in, in, in the galaxy and stuff it's like interesting that and he to had, see what they did with that kind of backstory of how boba learned to become mm-hmm. Django versus what the new canon version is Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of where I'm going with this. Like he had these connections to characters like Aura Singh and Dooku and stuff. And, and in the canon, in the Clone Wars, we see that there's some very similar story points there. And, uh, uh, so even to this day, that's another series that, that I read in full and own and, um, really treasure as like a Star Wars chapter in, in the, the EU and in Legends, um, and uh, those are some of the books, those books, I don't even know if they're republishing those anymore, but I mean, you can probably find digital copies online and such, but they were definitely worth, uh, worth the read. But uh, there was the end of this era kind of completes with that, uh, with the Force Unleashed 2 and uh, the final book in this era, one year before the Battle of Yavin was death yeah Troopers. oddly enough is one of the ones i read in this era <laughs> yeah i was just about to say i was like you you read this one how'd you how'd you like death troopers and because you were read red harvest as well which yeah. was a predecessing novel in the last era but yeah what was death troopers like? i like death troopers quite a lot and uh, I, I should talk a little about red harvest too just to fill it in so red harvest is in the sith era and it, it is uh, around this group of Sith acolytes who are playing with, I guess it's kind of like a virus, but they're creating it through the force. And, and what it becomes is something that they want to unleash on the Jedi that would cause like a zombie apocalypse. So as the Jedi die, they would turn against their own people. That's the idea. Uh, but of course they lose control. And then this set, this Sith uh, group are all taken out by their, by their own virus. Um, and then that leads into Death Troopers, which uh, follows a storyline that the Empire has found this the virus, and they're trying they're transporting it somewhere they can run their own tests and see if they can weaponize it. And it follows this small group of, of smugglers that 
come across the sh- the star destroyer that's been a, what looks like abandoned, and they land on it, uh, and they're gonna just like try to steal parts, scavenge stuff, and it ends up being it was a transport ship trans uh, transporting this this virus to a secret facility, but it got out, and all of the the stormtroopers and all the officers, everyone become infected, and, and then it becomes a, a zombie movie on a star destroyer in space and it was it was so well done i really liked it a lot i've actually mm-hmm. done the audio Pretty i've done unique. the audiobook twice i liked it so much yeah yeah it was definitely what it was one of aj's favorite books actually he was on the the schedule for to show up tonight but uh i guess you he, he got busy but yeah it was um it was definitely uh a very prominent novel in in the eu and kind of well well respected it was, to yeah, this day it was really as, cool i yeah, I would. I want them to do something like that again. It was a lot of fun, and it's not something mm-hmm. that really affected anything else outside of itself. So I don't know why something like that couldn't exist. Yeah, a fairly contained it really story. Was. And, it was all unique yeah. characters. Actually, yeah. it's not true. In Death Troopers, Han Solo and Chewie show up briefly, but you could write them out. They weren't very useful. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't bother reading Red Harvest. It wasn't nearly as good. If anyone's interested in reading a zombie Star Wars book, I would read. I would go straight to Death Troopers. It was fantastic. Mm. Don't bother with Red Harvest. There was. Um... There was one thing I wanted to bring up in this in this era, kind of while we're on the subject of the uh, rise of the empire, which encompasses the prequels and everything in between episode three and four, um, was how the EU handled the the Clone Wars because it's such a big part of mm-hmm. canon, and uh, up until the point where Disney kind of called it quits on on uh, on the whole non difference between canon and and what's not canon kind of thing uh up until that point like there was uh well over oh there's five seasons of the clone wars and the sixth and and uh, was on its way and there was going to be eight of them and 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 stuff like that but um really just in the eu how they handled the clone wars aside from the canonicity that was star wars the clone wars itself uh they had numerous amounts of of novels and uh, and various other things that really helped fill in that era. So uh, one of uh, one of those things was obviously the Boba Fett series that I brought up. But uh, there was a numerous amount of Clone Wars books uh, called uh, Gambit and Stealth, the Republic Commando novels, uh, Shatterpoint. Uh, there were even some books that were based on the Clone Wars series characters that are no longer canon and are actually Star Wars Legends material. Uh, one of them being Clone Wars Wild Space and, uh, and uh, oh man, there's there's so many. Shatterpoint, Dark Rendezvous. There was quite a few novels that took place with subtitles as Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and then whatever the, the book was called, uh, and which are no longer canon. But that's kind of how the EU really fleshed out that era. And in the canon, we really don't have that anymore. We just have the show. Yeah. And then very, very, just, we have a few comic books and stuff that are kind of sprinkled through that, that time frame of the Clone Wars, but what? it's just such a big era. I wanted to kind of bring that mm-hmm. up. Uh, there was a lot more books in the Clone I, Wars I and, think the that's, and Legends. That's just a, a temporary thing. Canon. I think. Yeah. Um, they were really focusing on the original trilogy era for the last decade or so. Right. I mean, it, yeah, they were. You ask yeah. most people, they're going to say that's their favorite era, but people are also getting tired of it. So I think what they're going to end yeah. up doing, and they're kind of alluding to this with the New Republic series, is they're going to start going back the other way and filling in more of this prequel stuff. So I think we're going to see more yeah. 
especially with Bad Batch, right? We're going to start filling in right, right around the end of the Clone Wars going into the early Empire. Yeah, and if you ask me, that's that's honestly like one of my favorite spots in the timeline is just that whole kind of downfall of the Jedi and then what follows after that. And I mean, the fact that we're getting a sequel, like a literally sequel show to the Clone Wars in a way, I mean, it's got the same visual aesthetic and everything. Um, it's just amazing like at that we're, we're getting that. I mean, I'm super excited uh, for it too, honestly. So excited. Yeah. yeah I'm totally. much more excited so, for that than resistance or rebels to be honest i think it's gonna be cool i I haven't been this excited about a show since uh since i was watching the clone wars from year to year and and now i mean even when the movies were coming out at that point well i'm more excited honestly i'm more excited for this show it feels like uh and and things like the live action shows like the mandalorian and and this and that but i'm more excited for bad batch than I have been it for anything Star Wars in a very long time is what it yeah, feels like. Me too. Because episode nine and eight, I walked into the theater not expecting much because episode seven kind of let me down quite a bit. So, um, and then other movies like Solo and Rogue One really pleasantly surprised me when I walked out. But I mean, walking into it, I just wasn't as hyped for mm, you know. That's fair. And then with Bad Batch, though, I'm just so amped for Bad Batch don't, because don't set it too high. It's, it's, don't set it too high. Don't ruin I, it. I know, man. I don't want to ruin it for myself, but honestly, like it's hard to it's hard not to kind of feel this way after seeing what they did with season seven of the Clone Wars, and then thinking to myself, oh my goodness, like this is a a Disney Plus show in the same style as Clone Wars, like season seven, which is the only mm-hmm. one that Disney plus technically did. Right. And, and we're going forward with a whole new series and, and we're going to be getting this. I mean, they, they modeled the stormtroopers and Darth Vader for Clone Wars, which they're going to be probably reusing in that show. Like we're going to be getting this bridge of time filled in with like the Clone Wars getting reissued yeah. their, uh, their clones re getting ish- reissued. And a lot of people and, want to know about that because that was fleshed out in the yeah. old EU. And for those who, who don't yeah. know how, how it worked in the old EU, they didn't have the chip system where Palpatine would execute order 66 and it would it, like uh, set off the chips in the, in the clones heads. Mm-hmm. And then they would basically become zombies and right. turn on the Jedi. That wasn't how it was in the old EU. How it was in the old EU is at the beginning of the war, the clones were more traditional to how we see them in the Clone Wars show. And they were really good soldiers, all that. But as the war went on, they needed to get more soldiers because you know, people are dying off. Plus, you know, I, I think it's in a Clone Wars arc. They talk about how the Separatists are they just they took out a new loan to make like millions more droids. Well, you can't make millions more clones at the same speed as droids. So they had to come up with a different idea because it, mm-hmm. it takes not as long as a full human, but half as long, right? They can only go at twice the rate. So they actually sped it up even faster so that they would, they could grow quicker. And, but these clones were made cheaper. So that they were, weren't trained as well. They were a lot more incompetent than the clones at the start of the war that you see the battle of Geonosis. And these ones were trained more so to follow orders and not have a personality because they were almost a little bit more robotic in their creation. And they didn't have the whole war to become their, their own personality. So those clones were the ones that turned on the Jedi and they were outnumbered the old clones, which weren't sure if they should or not. Hmm. 
Yeah, and I remember it being brought up in the Republic Commando series, which was a great insight to how the clones kind of felt, uh, especially being some that been around through the length of the whole war. And there was a sequel to that to that series called Republic Commando 501st and then Imperial Commando. And then the sequel to that one actually got canceled. But um, but yeah, it really kind of overlapped with like how they become Imperial mm-hmm. Commandos and go from. Yeah. And it was really fascinating to see kind of the mindset of these original clones, um, how they kind of dealt with that, that uh, whole movement and, and being one of the main characters of the series, Darman, uh, one of the Republic Commandos. Uh, his he actually is like married or something yeah. to and has a kid with this Jedi character that he falls in love with in the first book, and uh, uh, she dies. And so though. she dies. On, like, yeah, the she book. she dies in the in the fourth in the or is it the second? I thought maybe it's farther in. Uh, yeah, actually, you might be yeah, right. I think I think she actually dies during Order sixty six. Something like that. I, uh, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, it was a, it was a really interesting insight to how kind of those clones deal with that whole movement as well. And it really kind of reminds you of, of uh, what it might've been like to be like a soldier in the German army. And then to have these, you know, uh, these orders issued out to you saying like, you, you got to start killing Jews and stuff. And it's like, well, like, yeah. what? <laughs> you know, like, what do you do? Right. Like, yeah. I mean, do you, do you turn Good your back on, on your right? Yeah. Do you turn your back on your brothers in arms and your government and leader that you serve, or do you just follow the orders through to the letter, kind of thing? And so it, it is was a question a of, of morality, that. and right, and like it's it's, it's yeah. a hard question. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, lots of cool stuff in this era, but we should probably move on. Um, so the rebellion era. Now we're starting uh, at uh, the Battle of. Uh, Battle of Yavin, which is, uh, I mean, we got two books that take place right before episode four in that same It's funny how it's year. measured by the Battle of Yavin, but they still managed to squeak in a few things before that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got some uh, some short stories and then uh, what's this? Shadow Games, which is, oh, yes, I do remember. That was a new book as well, 2011. Um, when I say new, I mean like close to when Legends was no longer a, uh, being published right um, tales yeah, from moss isley cantina was a really famous book that was a famous book that was a famous book. i actually never I haven't it, either but, I do, but i've heard it brought about. up many times classic it's a series uh, of short stories I think 1995 they all, they all, 95 yeah i think they're all around the different creatures that we see in a new hope in the cantina it's kind of their backstories or what they're dealing with yeah, lots of authors were involved in creating some of those stories, including Timothy Zahn, who made one of the one of the short stories. It looks like, but uh, is there anything from this era that kind of stuck out to you? I know Bryce, if he was here, he'd probably be talking all about the the X Wing. Oh no, actually, those are New Republic. Uh, I, I see two. I'm already. sure he's read a lot of uh, three. I read a bunch of books in this section, and they're almost all written by Timothy Zahn. <laughs> I really liked his, um, his novels a lot. Yeah, so we had oh, Shadows of the Empire is a big a big title. Yeah, we should That's, probably uh, work into that, that one. It's at the end. It's the the old yeah, the, after Return of the Jedi trilogy. Yeah, um, and a character prominent in, in this kind of frame of time was Prince uh, Shizor, which is spelled X I Z O R. Yeah. Uh, that's a big character in this in this uh, in this era. Yeah, he was the, the leader uh, which, of the Black Sun, which is a crime syndicate, mm-hmm, which yeah. was canonized in the Clone Wars. 
Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, really, I mean, a lot of these books and such, uh, oh, Choices of yeah. One, uh, of course, the introduction of, uh, by Timothy Zahn, of course, none other, uh, of, Mary um, Jane. uh, her, yeah, Mary yeah. Jade. Um, well, his, it's kind of funny because that's one of the three that stood out to me right, right away. Um, Choices of One, and which Allegiance, which is, Allegiance was yeah, the first which one. was a sequel to Allegiance, yeah. and that arc, which I enjoyed a lot, was around a group of stormtroopers who slowly come to realize mm. that the Empire is actually evil and they want out. Like the the Empire is trying to get them to make those same bad decisions we just referred to uh, as like the Nazis were doing, and it was kind of their they basically follow the story arc of Finn, really. Finn's storyline was pulled directly from this. Hmm. If you go take the time to read it, it's they're very similar. And it's these stormtroopers that right. then come with to the decision of, well, like we shouldn't be doing this, what we're supposed to do. And so they try to escape and Mara Jade is sent to hunt them down, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and Mary Jade is, uh, if anyone who doesn't know what the character is, ends up in the in the Legends timeline, uh, is ends up becoming Luke's wife, and um, and love yep. <laughs> and is the mother of Ben so, Skywalker. Yes, Ben Skywalker, uh, one of the inspirations, I believe, as far as the name goes, that probably influenced Ben Solo, yeah. but um, that is yeah. Unconfirmed. Just my. There's also Jason and Jaina Solo, right? So it's kind of like they took the two and like mashed the characters together. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, Uh, But yeah, as as an era though, I mean, uh, thinking back to how many because there's over 350 Star Wars books in the in the EU in the Legends. Um, I mean, looking at this era and the size of it, I mean, I'm trying I'm trying not to picture these as just tiny. These are full-size books, mind you. Uh, But it is smaller than I would have expected. Well, you have to keep in mind, there's a massive dry spell for Star Wars books. There's a bunch that came out around the same time as the original movies, between 77 and 83. And then there was it kind of died off into the mid-90s. And then it started to kick Mm. off again, almost as a, a prelude to the prequels. But the novels that were coming out at that time frame had to do with the original trilogy era. So that's why you mm. get the Thrawn trilogies in the 90s, the, the Boba Fett trilogy of him surviving the Sarlacc pit. That's also in the 90s. Yeah. There wasn't a lot going on in the 80s. No, there really so wasn't. Based, uh, yeah. That was that was what most Star Wars fans refer to as the, the dark, dark times. times which, yeah. There's, yeah. There's essentially <laughs> 10 years of virtually nothing. Right. Uh, well, actually, it's worth um, it's it's worth uh, noting that um, the material that was published through the '80s after Return of the Jedi, which isn't listed on our on our list here, books would be the I think it's the Ewoks and the droids cartoons on TV, as well as the holiday special. I think maybe it might have been the '80s and. Uh, and the Ewok Adventures live action films. So those those are all um, those are all technically legends as mm-hmm. well, and uh, aren't on this list. As well as uh, a couple a couple video games, which are super vintage. I mean, X Wing and Tie Fighter being some of them. Can you think of any more? Um, um, Dark Forces is around here. 
Bright Dark Forces. Which is yeah, uh, Kyle Katarn, which was one of the first Jedi that Luke tra- uh, trained after he started his, his schooling. And Kyle Katarn was the original character who actually got the Death Star plans. He's uh, the one who stole it and got it to the Rebellion. Or got it to R2 who got it to the Rebellion. Which obviously was overwritten by Rogue One. Yeah. Yep. Uh, actually, that's that's a good thing to bring up. The whole Rogue One storyline and everything, that's something that in the EU was a little more fleshed out until, of course, they made this new movie and mm-hmm. such, which... Uh, but there still wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of stuff evolving around that. But did you read anything about uh, about that that storyline in the EU at all? Not really. I just know that it was Kyle Katarn who was the one who, who broke in and got it or whatever, right? Okay. We also had uh, well, I mean, I, I think I brought up Shadow Games uh, was a novel that took place right before Episode Four in the EU here, but that also features a character called Dash Rendar. Uh, yeah. Which is Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, yeah, Shadows of the Empire. There's quite a few things he's popped up in, known to be the pilot of uh, the Outrider, yep. which is a Corellian YT class. YT uh, YT. Is it YT seventeen hundred? So. Yeah, YT or YT twenty two hundred? I forget. Uh, whichever one the Falcon yeah, isn't. I think the Falcon's uh, twenty four hundred. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever the case. Anyway, uh, yeah. So anyway, this era once again. Uh, got a lot of yeah, memorable books in here. The books that I really liked in this section uh, were a lot of the heist books. They had a lot of these weird heist, heist books that took place here. Uh, a lot mm. of them were around Han Solo, you know, trying to kind of get one over on someone, trying to get up, you know, yeah. get up in the world, and it always backfires on them in the end. There's one that I really liked right. a lot called Scoundrels, and they're trying to essentially rob this casino. And in the end, Boba Fett, you don't know it's him, but he like outmaneuvers Solo and like robs him in the process of robbing them. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It was nice. a good book. I liked it a lot. Timothy it was a Zahn book, yeah. Yeah. Man, Timothy Zahn's written a lot of yes, stuff. Yeah. Um all right, let's uh let's let's skip on towards the New Republic era. So New Republic era takes place five years after the Battle of Yevin, which is about a uh, about uh, what is it like a two years or a year after episode six and uh, we have the the jedi prince series which ran for six books didn't read any of those there was a a, a huge vast amount of the x-wing novels which which bryce would be talking yeah, about right that. about now uh, actually yeah. before we get into it, we should probably talk about the old thrawn trilogy a little bit that's the next thing. Oh, is it? Oh, is, is the Thrawn in the trilogy. previous era? No, My bad. Yeah, so that that takes place about nine years after. Uh, but uh, this whole entire era kind of goes up until twenty four years after the Battle of Yavin, which is about twenty years after uh, Episode Six. So lots of stuff packed into here, including uh, the birth and introduction of Jason and Jaina Solo Mm -hmm. and that whole story arc that takes place with Luke's new Jedi Order just kind of being built from the ground up again. So yeah, let's, let's start with the, like, I mean, the X-Wing, X-Wing thing where we'll skip over because that's kind of Bryce's thing. And I don't know anything about that series, but um, the Thrawn trilogy is known to many people as the heir to the Empire trilogy, you know? So yeah, if you want to talk about that, go for it. Yeah, I'll talk about it a little bit. So this was the storyline that really 
kicked off the direction of what Star Wars was going to be after Return of the Jedi. So in Return of the Jedi, the Empire is starting to collapse. We in the movie it's led us to believe that it has been it has collapsed and that the Emperor's gone and thus the whole Empire ship will just be dissolved. But when we get into the Thrawn trilogy, the Heir to the Empire trilogy, it actually points out to the fact that the Empire still has a lot of power. It has thousands, well, I think there's actually hundreds of Star Destroyers, but thousands and thousands of troops. They're not just going to like dissolve overnight. And someone actually steps in and starts trying to reorganize and get all this the different segregated systems of the empire working together again which was originally the emperor but the new person who steps in is thrawn and he's this he is a, a grand admiral who is a very cunning and, and shrewd uh strategist and he becomes kind of the head villain that the new empire or that the new republic uh, is up against because they're trying to actually outs the empire altogether right and at the same time period uh luke is now trying to set up the new jedi order so as he's going around figuring out he's trying to find jedi artifacts and the lost jedi teachings because he only knows what the force ghosts have told him and what he has learned through uh the teachings of of, of ben or obi-wan before he he joined the force so he while he's scouring around he comes into contact with thrawn and that kind of kicks off the the trilogy itself and it's more or less the story of the final dissolution of the empire Mm -hmm. yeah so the thing that we have compared to this in the canon which we'll get into later is the aftermath trilogy which neither you or i are the biggest fans of but um, that's kind of the most comparable yeah. thing as far as a dissolving of the empire itself. Uh, that's kind of the prominent, prominent trilogy of novels that would happen yeah, there. But the Tron trilogy is so much, it's a so lot much better. better. And uh, I think that's why a lot of people didn't like the, uh, the, the new trilogy is because the old trilogy was so good that you couldn't really compare the two. And it was a right. high bar, honestly, High bar to beat. What they should have done instead of giving the book trilogy to some random person, they should have just gave it to Timothy Zahn and he could have tried to put a new spin on the old story. That would have been the best decision. I don't know why they didn't keep Thrawn around because he was the perfect character for that era. He, because he, he's the only character I've ever read who was as good of a strategist or as menacing of a villain for, that specific kind of situation where you have this giant military force, but he's not someone mm-hmm. who's personally strong, like a like a Sith. He was a, he was a leader, right? He wasn't a warrior. Yeah, and he was, uh, he, was yeah, guy. he was perfect for that that scenario. And he did wouldn't he? He was gone by the time we get to the the sequel trilogy, so he wouldn't have actually had any effect on that. So I don't know why they couldn't have just done a rehash on the old trilogy i would have liked that better yeah i think the ending of the aftermath trilogy actually happened before star wars rebels was really introducing the character once again into the canon i think that's kind of the if i get that time frame right i'm pretty sure that that third book came out before the third season of of rebels which is when thrawn was reintroduced in the canon but um 
Yeah, a very well-respected trilogy of books there and kind of prominently defines this entire New Republic era as a whole um, to many people. Uh, we had the Jedi Academy books, um, some of the Corellian trilogy books, but uh, yeah, another big massive chunk of this, which I actually read all of these, was the Young Jedi Knights series, which really gets into the children of Han and Leia, which at the mm-hmm. time in the EU, Star Wars Legends, was called Jason and Jana Solo. And eventually they have a younger brother called Anakin Solo, which uh, was later on in the next era, uh, I believe, unless he was born maybe at the end of this I one. Bet, but, I can see what um, happened. So the first uh, Young Jedi Knights came out in 95, and we didn't really learn about Anakin. Uh, we didn't learn him specifically as the prequels until 99. So then they would have had to create a new character <laughs> well yeah because they have a third child and so who's a lot younger than jason and jana and and they end up calling him anakin after his grandfather mm-hmm. but i mean the name anakin skywalker was something from return of the jedi anyway so the name was around he just wasn't a prominent character up until the up until the prequels really kind of came out it's like oh anakin's gonna be a main character it's like all right um but yeah, the, the Young Jedi Knights, I read these in two paperback volumes, which were called, because uh, there's actually 14 novels uh, in the Jedi Knight series, but the two big things that I read were uh, Jedi Sunrise and Jedi Shadow, Young Jedi Knights, and uh, those really encompass the whole series. They introduced characters like Tenel Ka, which is the love interest for Jason Solo, and uh, really gets into Luke's jedi academy on yavin again um and uh introduced a, a wookie jedi which was pretty new to the to the legends at that point um but yeah a really good series i, I read the whole thing through and I, I really that was to me i think the defining thing aside from the thrawn trilogy that really did in the new Re- the new republic era but uh pretty short era when i'm looking at the list here uh any games any more games that took place in this in this time frame i don't know. Oh, the Jedi Academy series. Yeah, Jedi yeah Academy they did. One and two. Yes. So those Jedi Outcast was it? Uh, Jedi Academy two, Jedi yeah, Outcast, right. and uh, the first Jedi Academy. Yeah. So those were were the two notable games that took place in this frame of time. And the, yeah, the they're super popular. Um, also, very popular. Um, yeah. I think those it actually was now. the previous era. Yeah, it was. It's funny. I'm bringing this up now because uh, it was reminded by Thrawn, but Thrawn was actually a villain in the TIE Fighter games. That's where he was first created. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, okay. that All right. was he was then used to in the Thrawn trilogy and fleshed out as a character. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that until today Timothy either. <laughs> actually created that character. <laughs> um, all right. So they're going in the next order and the le- one of the final two getting shorter lists here is the new Jedi order era, which, uh, re well, a big chunk of this, actually almost the entire era consists of the new Jedi order books, which was a very long series. And I am sad to say I didn't read any of these, but I prominently remember many of them on the, on the, on the shelves. Um, the first being vector prime, which is kind of a, was this the using Bong era? Uh, yes. So so the New Jedi Order era, also known to be kind of the one to introduce the Yuuzhan Vong as a, as a main villain. Uh, so the first book of the New Jedi Order series uh, was called Vector Prime and killed off Chewbacca. That's right. Yeah, he's, he was 
killed yeah. by a moon. So, yeah, a moon dropping yeah, onto a planet. So, I can't remember so. how they did it. Maybe giant so, tractor beam. And then Chewbacca's this, trying to run away, and then a moon just crashes into the side of the planet and kills him. <laughs> so this era went from uh, from Boba Fett, A Practical Man, written by Karen Travis, all the way down through – that was the only book other than the Dark Nest trilogy at the end. Every other book in this era was the New Jedi Order labeled novels, and uh, they weren't numbered or anything. They just had a sub subtitled title to them. Uh, so there was so many here. But um, did you read any of these? And and if not, like let's just start talking about Yuzhen Vong. I did not. I'm really wishing Bryce was here tonight because no, he read a big section of this. That's all right. We'll ju- we'll just start talking about Yuzhen Vong because um, this. This era is known to be kind of the prominent introduction to that villain. So the Yuuzhan Vong were, how would you describe them? Just an alien race from outside the galaxy that invade the galaxy, that Star Wars galaxy? Yeah, that's more or less what it is. So they're a new villain that comes from beyond the Outer Rim. So no one knows where they came from. But there's weird, these kind of raider-like species, they're... It's funny, they're kind of a lot like the Nihil, except they're a race instead of a, a group. Mm-hmm. And their ships are all organic. They're like, they actually grow their ships. They don't build them. Which is the other yeah. weird thing about them. The other, Well, another weird thing is that they were unable to be sensed through the Force. Oh, which, which is a That's... really big issue for the Jedi, which, which at this point, the Jedi Order was just kind of a, the thing yeah. again. Um, and and proved to be an admirable adversary because because yeah. of that. Uh, so. And was it the new canon where we find out Palpatine was perhaps building the Empire to protect from an outside like creature or something? Yes. Or is that uh, the old it's, canon? It's in the it's in the new, new canon, canon that they've alluded mm, to okay. an exterior threat, which at at one point I would uh, have imagined that would have been Snoke until they changed that storyline, right. and I have no idea where it's being where it's going now. But um, <laughs> yeah, long okay. old JJ. my first thoughts uh, when I heard but, that was using wrong. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, my thoughts were that too. And there has been, uh, I think Dave Filoni did reveal a little drawing in his notebook in one of the celebrations. Where he had written a Yuzen, or he he drawn a Yuzen Funk scout ship, and it was never confirmed that he would have used it as a storyline. But people start freaking yeah. out when, when because there are fans of this storyline, and then there's people who hate yeah. it. Yeah, I um, never. I'm kind of in yeah, between. I don't really have. I don't really care. Like it, but I think it was weird. Yeah, the death of Chewbacca in the first novel was pretty bold. Yeah, that's like, really fun. That's, there's actually a bit of a story behind that, though. The what I heard. So take us with a grain of salt. I'm sure all you Star Wars fans have heard a million times by now. Uh, but the author, who I'm guessing is Aaron Alston, because I don't actually know which novel it was that Chewbacca died in. Um, but whoever the, the author Vic- was. Victor Prime. Victor Prime. Uh, R.A. Salvatore. Okay. So the story I heard was he was given a list of characters that weren't protected. So... They're characters that could be they could be killed off. So he, he couldn't kill Han Solo, couldn't kill Leia, couldn't kill Luke, you know, all the prominent ones. So he's going through the list, a bunch of random no-name people, and he sees Chewbacca on there. And he's kind of taken aback, like, 
what? And he asked, like, is this risk, is this list right? Like, can I, is Chewbacca supposed to be on there? Like, yeah, Chewbacca's on there. Like, oh, all right. Chewbacca, <laughs> this is a group of characters that can, can be, be killed. killed. Can, oh, can yeah. be killed. Oh, okay. Yeah, because right. it was all no-name right. people you never heard of and then Chewbacca. Right. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm going to kill That's Chewbacca. That's crazy. And he, yeah, he's gonna yeah, be the first he author to for kill sure Chewbacca. He, Chewbacca, part of the main crew, would be on the cannot be touched yeah. list, but he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think? Well, he's also he's always the character to be left out. Didn't That's get his medal right. in the movie. And <laughs> it was an afterthought. Um, so, so one thing to note about the, the there's this this war between the the. The galaxy, which it's important to remember at this point in time, the Yuuzhan Vong being an external source of, I mean, this took place up in an entire era to tell this story. So um, there was six, or sorry, 365 trillion sentient beings died in this invasion. Dang. So um, that's a lot of people. And, uh, and there was something I remember also about... Um, that's on the trivia, by the way, my trivia for the, for the thing. Remember that. I'm never going to um, remember but, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was some sort of treaty because at this point, the empire, even though it keeps on getting dissolved, heir to the empire, so to speak, uh, it's still kind of a thing in the background all the time. Like even in the Young Jedi Knights series uh, from the New Republic era, um, taking one step backwards, mm. like the empire is still kind of a thing, except it's evolved and it's no longer you know, a tyrannical kind of thing, right? Like they, they have the code, they even have like a, a their own force users called Imperial Knights yeah, and stuff like that. It gets, it gets really, that's in the comics. It, yeah. It gets really odd at, at some, at some moments where you can't really tell who's actually a bad guy and who's not. Um, but at this point in time, there's some sort of treaty that gets written up between the new Republic and, um, and the the empire, which is now like the the second empire or uh, whatever, uh, and, I think they uh, changed the name to the first order. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in the canon they do. Uh, but but yeah, there's some sort of treaty that happens where they actually band together, and anybody in the galaxy, like even like like even bounty hunters and everything, like everyone's just fighting the Yuuzhan Vong. That's pretty nuts. <laughs> so I, I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty sure that's that's what it was. So aside from the Clone Wars, this was like the biggest war to ever take place in the star wars galaxy up until up until this point and then it finished with the dark nest trilogy of books which was written by troy denning and that kind of that kind of saw the uh, a bit of a conclusion to that that era which leads us into the final era called the legacy era uh legacy of the force i read bloodlines written by karen travis that was all about boba fett and his prominent return and uh seeking revenge on han solo uh, but yeah, these books were pretty cool. Did you read any of those? No, I mostly stuck to stuff around the Empire, to be honest. Like the the Legacy of the Force era was the same era that took Jason Solo and made him into oh, Cade. Man, yeah, I know Skywalker. a little bit about Cade Skywalker. Or, or oh, sorry, not Cade. Uh, sorry, Cade Skywalker was his own character. Uh, they took Jason Solo and 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 made him into um, Darth. Uh, uh, was it Darth Cadus? Kytus? I recognize that name. I yeah. think it was. And there's also yeah. th I'm pretty sure uh, it was the Sith Kytus, Lady. Yeah. The red uh, tweed yeah. tattoos. So yeah, Darth Talon, Talon. that's her name. Yeah. Uh yes, Darth Cadus is is Jason Solo's uh Sith name. So they they reintroduced kind of the Sith into 
existence with Jason Solo turning to the dark side. And uh, and then there was that weird horned Sith Lord Darth Crate. Crate? That's Crate, Crate, yeah. yeah. And Darth Talon. Yeah. And there was like this whole kind of conflict yeah, going on. Where they came uh, from. It, 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 it got really twisted and dark. And Jaina Solo ended up being the one to kill her twin yeah. brother, Jason, in the end. And it's funny is that's yeah, what everyone it, it, thought Ray and Ben were. For the yeah. longest time. And that's I think where that's I think where the inspiration was coming from was from this Jason Solo character, son of Han Solo, turning to the dark side. Exact same storyline, just different name and different. Yeah, different, and that's why uh, everyone thought Ray was like Luke's secret daughter or whatever, right? Right. Or yeah, cousins to like yeah, Ben's or even half sister or something. Yeah, secret sister or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's family um, drama after all. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, so arguably the, better than uh, what we got. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of dark horse comics that took place in this era, which I never read any of them. But it's worth noting that that was the case, as well as a very uh, I think it was it was a 10 books. The Fate of the Jedi series going from Outcast all the way up to Apocalypse. And uh, that was uh, I, I actually also had one or two books from this series and never got around to reading them. But uh, yeah, it, it was a bit of a, it was kind of like the galaxy recovering from bong. the, yeah. And like the second galactic civil war and, and Darth Cadus and all that stuff. And there was some sort of new threat that got introduced and, I don't know the details of it, but it for some reason it did last quite a while. Like these books, they went on for uh, uh, a decent amount of time. They started coming out in 2009. The series finished in 2011. And a couple of authors had a hand in, in making that series. And the very last book on the list in that era is called Crucible. Crucible, Crucible yeah. And uh, that one uh, on the cover very prominently features the big three. Leia, Luke, and Han in their older age and uh, was chronologically the last novel in the Star Wars Legends line, uh, also known as Expanded Universe. And uh, that is the last novel that we have on the list, aside from the comic books that take place 100 or so years later. Is that when we meet Cade? Okay, I wasn't sure. That's when we meet Cade Skywalker, yeah, who's just like a... How would you describe Uh, it? I kind of like Cade. He's he's Luke's great-grandson. A great great grandson and he's kind of this burnt out jedi that's just sick of everything so he's he's like half jedi half bounty hunter and he he wears body armor with a long coat over top and he wields a one-handed shotgun and a lightsaber and he's pretty badass but he's he's really burnt out and he just kind of he really fits he's fits doing in spice yeah, all the time. yeah he's, he's always, always smoking drugs. smoking spice this is really funny. So he's yeah. like this burnt out drug, like crack smoking Jedi. And he really and he's f- also the last Skywalker. He is, yeah, he's the last of the Skywalker bloodline. He really fits into the kind of the Coruscant look when they go into the club in episode two. Like he would fit in really well mm. into that era to give kind of a the, the underworld yeah. look. He's got tattoos and stuff. Yeah, and, and yeah. Luke keeps appearing to him as a force ghost to tell him not to do drugs through the comic series, which is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I actually really liked kind of because because Kylo Ren Ben Solo is kind of a mix of Jason Solo and Kate Skywalker yeah. in a way because Kate Skywalker 
he like wants to be a certain way and he's rebellious in that sense. And Ben Solo is like kind of yeah. like that. Like he feels like he doesn't really fit in at moments of his life. And then of course he pulls a Jason Solo and turns to the dark side. So um, there's a few, a few similarities there between kind of Ben Solo and the canon and then these two characters, Jason and Cade in the legends. You know what? You know how I would describe, like if I were to give it in one sentence, how I would describe uh, Cade? He's pretty much the Wolverine version of a Jedi. Well, if we got Colin Trevorrow's version of Episode Nine instead of the Rise of Skywalker from JJ, that's something that was in his script. Was Luke was actually haunting Ben Solo as a Force ghost? Yeah, which and would have been really to, cool. Yeah, and that would have been really awesome. And and that was directly from this Cade Skywalker storyline as inspiration. So that would have um, been really good. That would have gave a lot of depth to to Kylo. And you could also have someone to like play off of because we kind of learned that he's tormented, right? He's tormented the decision. At least what we learned of him in, uh, in Force Awakens. So that would have really played that up, which I thought would have been pretty cool. All right. Well, uh, we are going to do some repairs on the escape pod very briefly, take an intermission. And uh, that concludes our Legends half of the podcast episode today. We're going to come back very shortly and continue talking about the canon timeline and then up until the outro. So uh, making some comparisons between the two and this and that. So in the meantime, just enjoy these tunes from Zero's nightclub band and we'll be back very shortly. We got the canon and we start off with the brand, the newest of the eras called the High Republic, which has very little added to it, but that leads up. That's 200 brand new. Yeah. It takes place 200 years before the Phantom Menace. And uh, then we get to the prequel era and the Clone Wars called the Fall of the Jedi. Uh, Then we have Reign of the Empire, which is uh, the Bad Batch solo, a Star Wars story and beyond up until episode four or Star Wars Rebels, I guess. Uh, And then we have Age of Rebellion, which encompasses Rebels, Rogue One, the original trilogy. Then we have the New Republic era, which is so far just the Mandalorian, but that will include Ranges of the New Republic, possibly the Ahsoka show, uh, the Book of Boba Fett, all that stuff is going to be taking place in there. And then that leads up to the rise of the First Order era, which encompasses the Resistance animated series, the Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and the Rise of Skywalker uh, films, the sequel films. So those are the uh, six eras in the canon now. And uh, there's books and comics that happen kind of in between all these things. So we'll kind of run down the list. And uh, actually on our list, it's not actually sorted into those different eras. So let's just kind of make a mental note as to where these eras take place. And then and then we'll... Uh, We'll kind of go from there. But more recently, I mean, starting from the top, 
uh, you and I, and, uh, and well, even Bryce read The Light of the Jedi, but we've been really kind of trying to explore this new High Republic era, this, this story, mm-hmm. and, and uh, even most recently had our review of A Test of Courage launch and, and Light of the Jedi, and now we're kind of reading Into the Dark, which that's, that'll be our next recording and yeah, stuff like and that. I hope all um, you fans out there are enjoying our reviews and chats about, about these books because it is a huge time sink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. We're literally only motivated by people sharing this podcast and subscribing, and uh, and for whatever reason, listening to us stuff. just babble on about Star Wars. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so uh, let, let's just start from the top. There's not, not much in this era at all, and uh, we will get a Disney Plus show, which takes place at the tail end of this era which is uh, the acolyte which mm-hmm. i'm really intrigued about but what do you think so far of this era as a whole encompassing those three books that we've read so far so far and just the events that have happened so far i'm actually liking it quite a lot um i think what they're creating to be kind of the the villain of this era the villains i should say because there's now more than one depending on which book you're reading is actually mm-hmm pretty cool I'm, li- I'm liking the uh what do they call it the the dis- disturbance or whatever the the, the the nihil or the the drenger uh, i'm referring to the nihil like blew up stuff in hyperspace and called like oh the great disaster yeah, i'm, I'm yeah. really liking how it's kind of starting around that and i believe that they're going to make that a kind of a prominent mm-hmm. thing which is i like the idea of there being more of a natural disaster side to problems going on yeah. that the Jedi have to fix as opposed to there always being some new big bad villain, right? Right. And so far, the first three books that we've read, even though they're a bit staggered in the sense of the timeline of the events that take place through the books, they all somewhat start when the the great disaster takes place. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, the most recent one that we've been reading, Into the Dark, uh, the second chapter uh, allows us to believe the great disaster happened in the second chapter of that book in the light of the Jedi book. It happens right away in the first chapter or the first section Mm -hmm. of the book. And then in the test of courage book, it also happens somewhat in the beginning. uh, It's very early. So it's kind of cool that the three books that came out, they're all happening, happening somewhat simultaneously to different parts of the galaxy, which I'm, I'm really enjoying. And they kind of, it kind of jumpstarts, the era, right? So you kind of get more of a broad mm-hmm. idea of what's actually going on in more than one place. And so I'm really liking that. Right. And I'm, I also enjoy how it is the Republic at its peak and it's not really getting in the way of what we consider to be really no longer canon, but like it doesn't get in the way of the stories that existed beforehand with like Darth Revan and everything. Yeah. Well, exactly. And and that's that's kind of the most prominent connection that we can make at this time to the Legends timeline is this is an era that that has not been explored too much before, like at, at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the Darth Plagueis novel, there's nothing really that takes place in the Legends timeline in this time yeah. frame, because everything that came before the Phantom Menace was either the old Republic era, which was thousands of years before, or it was the Dawn of the Jedi book, which is even like before yeah. that so, so honestly if you <laughs> asked me to compare it to an era i wouldn't compare it to the old republic of of legends i would compare it to different prequel books honestly it feels more like mm. it's in the prequel era than it does earlier 
It does. It does in a way. Um, and, and interestingly enough, has its own era regardless because it's known as the High Republic instead of the fall of the Jedi. But um, like you mentioned before, this is like the, the Jedi mm-hmm. at their peak and at their, their highest point of power. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a moment of, of greatness in the galaxy uh, and, and trying to expand the Republic to the outer regions. And, you know, they haven't even explored too much of the galaxy as yeah, a whole. That's yet, the part to me that's works. most interesting is they've yeah. kind of revealed that the galaxy itself, just because hyperspace isn't what we know it to be by the time of the films, a lot of planets still are quite disconnected from mm-hmm. the Republic or just the galaxy yeah, being yeah. a whole. Yeah, exactly. So uh, going into the, the next era fall of the jedi this encompasses the prequels uh, some of the books that take place before that including uh well of course the animated clone wars show um one book i really or at least one or two books i really want to bring up that take place before the films is dooku jedi lost that's a really prominent audiobook which was uh exploring how dooku is uh, as a young jedi how he kind of comes to learn the dark side a little bit before he makes that turn, but really kind of uh, ends off with him leaving the Jedi to pursue a political career. And then you just kind of fill in the gaps from there. But um, it flashes back and forth between the Clone Wars when Ventress is looking through these video files of like Dooku's past and mm-hmm. then kind of starts to explore Dooku's past. Did you did you read? No, I I wanted to and it's on my list and I have it on Audible. I just haven't got to it yet. I decided to listen to Master and Apprentice instead. Which OK, is, yeah. So that one takes place. Yeah, after, I can see it here on the yeah. list. Uh, as far as what mm-hmm. you're describing, the closest thing I have that comes to mind is the Darth Plagueis novel, right? Which kind of explored yeah, some of that yeah. too, because it takes place mm-hmm. during that same time frame. So in the EU version, right. yeah, uh, Palpatine and Pelagus, they kind of spot Dooku as someone who they could potentially use, because mm-hmm. he's not just a Jedi. He comes from a really well-off political family, and he knows his family, unlike most Jedi. So he has kind of mm-hmm. the same a little bit of the same issues that Anakin had of attachments, right? And so they kind of play on that and start planting seeds in Dooku's mind of different political things and kind of getting his personal perspective of the galaxy away from that of an average Jedi, which then sets him onto the path of leaving the Jedi and doing his own thing. Yeah, yeah. So that that part is definitely different now in the canon a little bit, but the, the actual seed of the dark side is planted in him when he's when he's quite a bit younger and and what i really love about the story is that it gives you the idea and i'm not going to say too much about it but it gives you the idea that that the dark side is something that is naturally calling to him uh and and it's, it's actually plays into how he gets his name darth tyrannus uh it has something to do with like a big creature and stuff like that but it was really Tyrannosaurus good like the story Rex. was was fantastic it's something like that yeah <laughs> uh, master and apprentice really explores the relationship between obi-wan and qui-gon most comparable to the jedi apprentice series in the eu or in star wars legends uh this is a compressed novel written by claudia gray one of the best Star Wars books I've ever read uh, as a first half. I still have to finish it. <laughs> I've just been so distracted with the High Republic stuff. I, I've just got to go back and start from the beginning again eventually. But um, yeah, you, you said you were 
reading this one. Or I read it, about it yeah, right? and it was pretty interesting because it really got into Qui Gon and his relationship with Obi Wan, mm-hmm. and it shows. It really showed everybody loves yeah, Qui Gon. I mean, honestly, more Qui Gon <laughs> is is yeah. better because everyone loves Liam Neeson, right? Right. And the guy who voiced it actually did a very good Liam Neeson. I was very impressed. So if you do do the audio, oh, that's right. You're listening. You to the, definitely do the, the audio book. Right, right, right. But it, it explores yeah. the relationship between Obi Wan and Qui Gon, and it kind of really showed it being a precursor to what we see with Obi Wan and Anakin, where it was mm. actually a very difficult relationship between the two. By the time we see them in Phantom Menace, they seem very natural, right? Like they don't seem like they have yeah. any any struggles. Like they they know each other so well. They kind of know one's going to do before the other one reacts. Where in this, mm-hmm. it shows that it actually, prior to that, they really butted heads a lot. And it gets into why uh, Qui-Gon was a good master for Obi-Wan. And it also has flashbacks to when Qui-Gon was Dooku's apprentice, which was also mm-hmm. extremely interesting. And it showed how yeah. Dooku was often researching holocrons that most Jedi thought uh shouldn't be looked at yeah yeah he started tampering in with that that exploration of other sides of the force and everything but and qui-gon also was very interested in these holocrons and they were the main one was uh the prophecies prophecies, including the the chosen one Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i really loved about this book was that you actually got to see in text these prophecies that he was reading and there's more than one so the the Jedi describe the the prophecy of the chosen one, but there's other prophecies out there, mm-hmm. and so kind of like in 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 uh, it's I guess it would be inspired by kind of many religions around the world to have that aspect kind of put in there, but uh, really just to have Qui Gon with this obsession and this wholehearted belief that Anakin in the Phantom Menace is the chosen mm-hmm. one. And this book really explores where that comes from, even though he's uh, now in the canon. I think this came up in a previous episode is that uh, you brought up how the uh, the term Grey Jedi, yeah. you know, we don't use it in the canon. It's not used in the canon anymore. Um, I actually was found out in this, well, while reading the Into the Dark, that in the canon, they're called Wayseekers. Uh, and Qui-Gon unofficially, I think, is in the canon known as a, as a way secret Jedi is a Jedi who really defies the will of the council and pursues kind of their own belief system in the force, but still aligned with the Jedi. Um, and so that's something that really stuck out to me, which I guess we can talk more about when we break down into the dark, but I think I got way seeker mixed up with the wayfinder. <laughs> I know, right. It's, it's the, do you know the way? <laughs> <laughs> this is the way um so going into the prequels self-explanatory we're not even gonna gonna touch those um always been yeah exactly there's been a prominent trilogy of books by ek johnson about uh padme uh queen's peril queen's shadow some of aj's favorite books um we had catalyst the rogue one novel uh which was a clone wars yeah this yeah, is a big time uh, Clone Wars based era novel by James Lucinio really got into the uh, the creation of the Death Star and uh, introduced characters like Galen Erso and stuff before 
kind of which is before, years before Rogue One takes place. But uh, that's why it's called a Rogue One novel because it takes, you know, it's the same characters uh, uh, that uh, Krennic and Galen or so and all that stuff. Um, yeah. It was a great yeah, novel. Was, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite from the canon, that's for sure. I enjoyed it a lot. And it filled in a lot of the kind of the gripes, I guess, fans have about things like the Death Star having an exhaust port that leads directly into the Death Star exploding. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it filled up that hole pretty pretty well, actually. Yeah. Um, so there was a few things in that book I really For appreciated. For those of you who don't know, and I guess it's also explained in Rogue One, but this kind of breaks down the coming to the idea of... Um, I'm blanking on the main guy's name now. Mm. Uh, the guy who actually like did the basic the engineering of the of the Death Star. He did it intentionally because he he didn't want it to be used by this tyrannical evil mm-hmm. government. Yeah, uh, we have the new Thrawn Ascendancy series that's been coming out by Timothy Zahn, which is really. Uh, kind of a replacement in the canon for Outbound Flight, which we brought up when we were talking about Legends, but really kind of gets into the character of Thrawn before he becomes part of uh, the Empire, or before he even before he even makes his way to the galaxy that we know. Uh, which uh, in the second Thrawn book, the Thrawn Alliance, I think it was, which is. Um, the canon book that takes place a little later on in this in this timeline, uh, this this trilogy that he's been building takes place before that. So it's before he even is introduced to the to Palpatine, to Anakin, uh, to all those all those things that eventually take place before he becomes part of the Empire. Uh, this series is about him in the Chiss Ascendancy, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, Dark Disciple. Did you read that Clone Wars novel? Uh, I did. Adapted. Yeah. I know you know it a lot better than I do because. Uh, it's my I favorite it's Star etched, Wars book. Yeah, it's etched in your mind. I did read it. I really liked it when I read it, but it's been a long time. So it's my it's my favorite Star Wars book ever. It's it's it adapts uh, eight episodes of the of the Clone Wars that never got produced, and it's it completes uh, Ventress's storyline from the Clone Wars as well as uh, Quinlan Vos, and uh, really leads into what we know as season seven, which would have been some of the arcs would have been season eight. Um, this book would have technically been part of season seven, I believe. Um, and is one of the best Star Wars stories I've, I've ever had the pleasure of reading more than once. Uh, comic book, uh, the last one that Dark Horse ever did before, before moving the content to Marvel, they produced a series called Darth Maul's Son of Dathomir, uh, which also filled in some of the Clone Wars episodes that never got produced. Um, really fills in that time gap between when Palpatine captures Maul on Mandalore and then when he shows up again on Mandalore in season seven. So kind of clears things, some things up there. Uh, but yeah, again, we're just kind of jumping through the list, picking out the more notable stories here. Uh, did you end up reading that Marvel series, Kanan? Kanan really got into Kanan as young Padawan? Uh, I think I read the first issue. That's pretty good. That one was more notable as well. Yeah, it seemed uh, like it was going to be pretty good. My my worry was it was going to be another New Dawn or... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, we had the Lords of the Sith book, the Ahsoka novel, uh, Tarkin. Mm-hmm. Um, that was good. I really enjoyed the Tarkin, back, yeah, Tarkin backstory. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, 
And now we're starting to get into the next era, which is uh, um, in the canon known as uh, Reign of the Empire. So, of course, we're going to be getting into Bad Batch, which is the animated show later this year when that comes out on Disney Plus. Actually, that comes out next month, doesn't it? No it's way. Is it April or May? I'm yeah. not sure. Man, I, think it's, I think it's like a month or two away. Yeah. That's so, that's so fast. They must have yeah, been working crazy, on it. crazy, right? From a while back then. Like, must have been, yeah. Maybe that's... Uh, it must... Okay, that makes me wonder that is Filoni still behind it? Yep. Because yeah, he's... I I would have thought he would have been too busy on Mandalorian. He's a busy guy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so uh, we had Solo, a Star Wars story, Rogue One, um, all in this era as well. Uh, not not necessarily in that order, but... but yeah, um, there's also you know, the Thrawn trilogy. Thrawn, yeah, the new Thrawn trilogy, that is, which Lost is Thrawn, is Thrawn Alliances, here. and Thrawn Treason. Yeah, yeah, Lost Stars is in there. That was a good book i really um, like that one anyone who wants to read a book that kind of shows the contrast from a, a citizen of the empire's perspective between mm-hmm. the empire and the rebellion definitely read it it's really good i liked it a lot yeah how would we describe thrawn's new trilogy compared to the old trilogy it's a it's like a prequel in a way yeah, yeah. so the their around completely different points of the of the timeline. Like, oh, sorry, compared to Heir to the Empire. Because comparing the Legends timeline, mm-hmm. Thrawn really introduced prominently in the New Republic era um, in the canon now is introduced much earlier in, yeah. the, in the new Thrawn trilogy, Thrawn Ascendancy, and then going into his three books that he's already got out on the shelf, which takes place before Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and then, of course, his appearance in Star Wars Rebels, which also takes place in this era. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do how do we uh, like? There's it's a not, lot of that yeah, character now. There's a lot of fleshing out, and I'm glad they got Timothy Zahn to write it because that allowed the character to be very like cohesive, even to the EU version, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. And it honestly, if you didn't know that the heir to the Empire Jedi wasn't like decanonized these two would fit together i would think like yeah it feels that way there might be certain things that obviously would and end up not being cohesive but really the the new books are kind of the rising of thrawn joining the empire and moving his way up the ranks my understanding is he's not even grand admiral yet he's only an admiral hmm and when we get to the original Heir of the Empire trilogy, that's after the the, the fall of the of the Empire. Yeah. So it, one could actually lead into the other, which is pretty neat. One thing about this era, before we jump to the Rebellion uh, era, is um, is or the Age of the Rebellion era, is that uh, a, a comic series called Darth Vader: Dark Lord of the Sith, which starts from the end of of Revenge of the Sith and kind of goes forward all about the creation of Vader's castle, the Inquisitorius and all the Inquisitors that come after that and um, the creation of his red lightsaber. Uh, mm-hmm. Very prominent storyline, ran for four volumes. Uh, I don't know how many individual that issues that is, but that Marvel storyline run was very well received and one of my favorite comic runs of, of uh, the canon um, so far. So... Uh, one last thing I wanted to say on Thrawn 
was uh, the one thing I guess that changed for him was in the EU version. The reason why you never saw him in the movies or anything was uh, the emperor, as as you know, is very biased towards only having humans. Mm. And so uh, Thrawn was never allowed to move up the ranks past a, a Grand Admiral. That's why he never made it to, to Moff. And he was kept to the outer regions. They didn't want him near the core worlds. And I I think that's not only half true in the canon version. Because he... Yeah. Obviously, we see him in Rebels. Yeah, and he's, he's definitely... A, yeah. In, in the canon, he's a well-respected asset because... Like you brought up earlier, Palpatine's trying to explore the the outer regions of space, regions that he doesn't that the known galaxy doesn't have well mapped out, right? And mm-hmm. being a Chiss, Thrawn is very much knowledgeable of that era yeah. uh, of that area, right? So so he's using. He also doesn't want to share it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's using Thrawn as almost a almost a you scratch a your back, we'll scratch, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, we're into the Age of Rebellion era now. This is Star Wars Rebels, the new Thrawn trilogy of books, which is Thrawn, Thrawn Alliance, and Thrawn Treason, uh, the Rogue One stuff. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's in this stuff. Uh, we also have. Um, wait, no, is Rogue One? Yeah, Rogue One's in this in this era as well. Um, we have uh, the. A new Dawn book, which which is a prequel book to Star Wars Rebels, not our favorite book at all. Uh, did um, you read the book, The Mighty Chewbacca in the Forest of Fear? I did not. <laughs> How was that? Sounds pretty good to me. I'm checked it out. But I'm going to add it to my list. Battlefront Two Inferno Squad. That was a good novel. Uh, that was introducing Inferno Squad to the canon prior to the campaign that takes place in the Battlefront Two campaign. Which is also worth noting, starts in this era as well after episode six and then continues on forward. Uh, being a canon story, uh, that and Jedi Fallen Order um, are kind of both worth mentioning. Uh, both really, really well constructed stories and added a lot to the canon in, as far as the video games goes. Uh, in this era, there was also the Darth Vader comic book series, four volumes long again explored how vader comes to know the name of luke skywalker and how he realizes it's his son and kind of goes on from there between episode four and five um heir to the jedi that was a prominent novel after episode four before episode five really exploring how luke comes to know the ways of the force yeah uh you read this one i I liked that one quite a bit actually the maybe the main storyline wasn't the most interesting uh, but it really explored Luke in the early days of trying to figure out how to use the Force and kind mm-hmm. of the gap between him the first time he used the Force to blow up the Death Star and then where we see him pull the lightsaber into his hand in the Wampa Cave. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool because he had to do a lot of that in his own training and figuring stuff out. And because they, as we know, they try to avoid using Force ghosts in all situations – they had Luke go to Ben's hut on Tatooine and there he found a lot of Ben's journals and tried to learn to use the force based on that. Yeah. Yeah. So what's funny is this book actually points out a lot of the contrast between how Luke learned to use the force and 
Ray, right? Because mm-hmm. they kind of had similar situations where they didn't really have anyone to teach them. It's funny that you mentioned that because in the Marvel Comics run, which is canon, uh, the, the new Star Wars Marvel Comics run, there's a couple episodes that they sprinkle in there called The Journals of Ben Kenobi. And it's about how Luke finds a journal left uh, by Ben in his hut uh, or something like that. And that also helps him explore the ways of the Force. Now, that's that's in the canon now. Um, but because yeah, you mentioned that that was something that happened in the in the Legends, right? I don't know if that happened in Legends. This is this is from the Luke heir to the Jedi book. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe that's where they got it in the comic run then. Maybe yeah, it makes it sense that it all be one storyline. Like yeah. You, they borrow from each other. I think yeah. in the comic run, like Boba Fett shows up and stuff. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, but in in the Heir to the Jedi, Luke is – he spends like hours in his room like trying to struggle to use the force to move some noodles. And he's finally yeah. able to move the noodles like a couple centimeters. Yeah. And yeah. To see the contrast of that to Ray. Yeah. It's mind boggling. It yeah. really, I think it bothers a lot of people to see that, that contrast. You see Luke, yeah. the son of Anakin is probably going to the highest medical ring counts to ever live. And he struggles, which actually matches all the rest of Canon. And then, Ray just kind of like snaps her fingers and it works first try. Yeah, being Palpatine's like cloned per- offspring's granddaughter or something <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. She she's just a little little she, OP. But she's the she's the daughter of a squib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. She's <laughs> the daughter of a squib. And somehow she's more powerful out the out the gate than Luke Skywalker. Um. <laughs> anyway, it is what it is. Yeah. So. We also in this era uh, we had the uh, the aftermath trilogy of books, which take place after Episode Six. This really replaced the heir to the Empire, the Thrawn, the original Thrawn trilogy in the Legends timeline. Was nothing in comparison, but took place in the year after Endor, after the second Death Star blows up, and focused in on a group of characters that uh, plays in uh, in. Uh, an, an important factor into the rebellion, which then helps uh, at that last battle, which takes place at Jakku, which really sees the the end result, the the dissolving of the empire itself. Right, and uh, that's that's pretty much where the empire really dies, aside from a couple people from the empire that really make it out to the, yeah. the unknown regions, which kind of leads into the sequel trilogy later on. But uh, well, this is you say that, but. We're also learning that the Empire is still sort of around in the Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, exactly. So so yeah, that leads into the next the next era called um, the New Republic era, which so far is just the Mandalorian and pretty much nothing else. Like really nothing so far on the canon other than that show. Yeah, they left it pretty untouched, and I am glad for that. Um, yeah, because if they had done it already, I don't think it would be as good as what we're getting now with the Mandalorian. To be entirely yeah, honest, yeah, no, so, to- totally. I'm pretty yeah. happy with that. What we're seeing now um, come out with the Mandalorian series, and hopefully the rest of these shows coming out, is actually closer to what the EU was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way that they're reconstructing this this era is it looks as if it's trying to lead up to a resolution similar Mm -hmm. to heir to the empire where Thrawn is a prominent character again in this time frame. Yeah. And I uh, think again, he, as far as 
characters that have been established in any sort of Star Wars lore, he really is the perfect character to fill that void. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So totally. why make some new character, right? Right. Yeah. And and Rebels stated that he's still alive and out there. And that was long before the Mandalorian came along. So uh, that was Filoni's grand plan. And yeah, Filoni's grand plan. And, I mean, we honestly should start calling it that because the guy, like whatever he does, seems to play a positive outcome towards future Star Wars stories. Yeah, and- definitely. That guy, I don't He really, he's not George's blood, but... You know, he, he is. He could be. Like, he's he's the son that George should have had. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I hope Jet Lucas does not listen to this podcast episode. <laughs> That's why he's, he's George's adopted son. Yeah, yeah. In a way, I mean, I mean, the way I always describe it is Dave is like George's apprentice. Like, he yeah. spent years with him working on Clone Wars. And then when he sold the company, it's just like, all right, you know, take all your teachings and go and... <laughs> teach the next generation of filmmakers at Lucas film animation, right? Like, so did you actually know that Dave said when he was first learning from George Lucas and when they're doing a lot of their one-on-ones and learning everything until he was approved to George to graduate, George actually made him wear a braid, like a little, little braid tail. (laughs) As his Padawan. You're kidding. You're, no, no, that's not true. <laughs> It'd be really funny if it was. <laughs> that, that, would, that would be pretty funny, though. A little rat tail. <laughs> and he's got a little a little charm on the end, which is a little cowboy hat. <laughs> Just and a spurs. Little yeah. Uh, so, oh, sorry. Another prominent trilogy that I skipped over in the last, the last era was the Alphabet Squadron trilogy, which I think Bryce would really be into that because that's all about pilots and the X in the, you know, in the rebellion and stuff like that in the new republic so and the new um, rogue squadron i guess yeah so one of the new things for this era i guess that is a more uh, um well aside from the mandalorian actually you know star wars squadrons being the latest video game actually i think that still takes place in the age of rebellion era technically but i'm not entirely sure it's kind of one of those spots in time that's not really defined by the timeline that they've put out on that picture so far but whatever right uh worth noting so that leads us into the final era on the list rise of the first order uh resistance and the sequels uh there was a novel that took place in this time frame as well called bloodline and uh that was about an uh leia in the government of the new republic and how it gets out that her dad actually was darth vader that knowledge is leaked to the galaxy and People start hating her for that. Um, Phasma was also a kind of an introduction to that character while she's a kind of a, a younger person before she joins the First Order. Uh, Resistance, uh, the the cartoon. I, I, you you didn't read those other two books, but I think you you, you watched all of Resistance and you, you tended to I did to actually, watch the whole series, yeah. You liked and I it, actually, right? I did. I did enjoy it. It... it I was pleasantly surprised because it was aimed at such a young audience. I thought it might be too cheesy and it did have a lot of the classic kids cartoon tropes, you know, people mm-hmm. running in place and then jettisoning away. It's that yeah. sort of thing, but it was fun. I really enjoyed it. And it did kind of fill in a lot of the, the blanks of what's what was happening in the era. Yeah. For the force Where, Awakens, especially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it showed show how people didn't. Yeah. It showed how people Wake. in the galaxy really didn't want to work with the first order. Yeah. 
but they were often forced to, right? They didn't really get an option. Yeah, because the New Republic didn't have the resources to protect these planets. That was, that was exactly, and they didn't have they didn't have an army at all or military, so they they couldn't really fend them off. They're trying to do everything through diplomacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which obviously doesn't always work. Right. Yeah. So there was, there was a treaty, but at the same time, the first order just ignored it. Yeah. Um, I, I, it took me a while to, to grip that series a little bit, but by the end of the second season, I was, I was, you know, I was like, okay, like yeah. I can get, I can get on board with this. Like you, you, going into it, you kind of have to accept this is intended for a very young audience. Uh, so a lot of slapstick humor. Yeah. Um, that being know, said, the characters were actually quite well done and there was yeah. a depth to them. Yeah. There was depth to some of the characters in the end, which, which really kind of, played out well and and uh as far as the the characters that we we do see in that series the way it concludes kind of left it open for them to some of them at least to show up in future stories which we, we never ended up getting but um that's because the show was more or less canceled it was called to end after the second season yeah so i don't they, think it got the, the ratings they thought it would no yeah and and it um, kind of like they they wrote it in a way that it ended well but yeah well i think yeah. at one point they didn't even think they were going to get a second season so right yeah yeah so i could, yeah. I, could I think see that. the yeah. issue they ran into is the age group they were aiming for were already really involved in the marvel thing mm. so they weren't that interested in watching the star wars show in the final battle in the rise of skywalker i believe you do see the the big space station ship that they're on in that fleet. Oh, that's um, cool! I didn't know yeah, that. The Colossus. Did they pick it? Which Colossus. came first? Uh, yeah. So so Resistance ended before that movie came out, but okay. but yeah, that that ship was was in the mix, uh, I believe. So um, I think it was called the was it called the Colossus? Yeah, sure that's it was called right. The Colossus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny. That's that's the name of one of our movie theaters here in <laughs> the area. But uh, so Galaxy's Edge Black Spire was, uh, was another novel that took place in this era. I never read it. Resistance Reborn was a novel that took place between episode eight and nine. And I read that. It was okay. Nothing crazy. Nothing special. Uh, again, I wasn't too invested with the characters of this period of time. So uh, for me, it was kind of like a doing my due diligence to try at least and understand these yeah, characters a little better what's going on right and and still i was like that's oh, okay it's whatever uh i wasn't definitely not my favorite um and then uh that was pretty much it there's really not a whole lot of other stuff obviously i'm there's skipping a, over a few a, things but a lot of young reader books in the there is like, sequel era a lot i didn't yeah, realize there were so many there's quite a few, yeah. They were really targeting the sequels at a younger audience in general, I think, just with BB-8 and I don't know. I mean, I've watched some some animated films these days, uh, which which are done, and every every show now has got something that rolls in it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's something that just kids like roly-poly and only things, you know? It's like, all right. Small um, and smirting around. Yeah, they wouldn't know what that show is these days, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that is the canon outline there. Obviously, there's a lot more to it, but those are kind of the prominent things that stuck out to, to, to us. Uh, but, yeah, as a whole, just, like, Obviously, the canon timeline is a lot less than than 
the Legends EU yeah, timeline it, well, goes. That's not surprising. They haven't had as much time to flesh it out. And I and I got mixed feelings. You know, there's there's good things that have come from the new the mm-hmm. new canon and there's good things that were in the old canon. And yeah. It's always tough when you're attached to one and they blow it away and try to replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but all we can really hope for is that they do it well. And I think Dave has shown, specifically Dave, has shown that they're really open to bringing back the good stuff. Yeah. They can work it in, like if it suits their, their motives. So that's always something to look, look forward to. Yeah, pretty, Thrawn being one of them. Yeah, um, and sure. Dur- Dirge being another. Actually, this came up uh, in our in our Clone Wars versus the Clone Wars episode <laughs> that Dirge hasn't made a canonical appearance yet, and he will be in the new Marvel comic series, Bounty Hunters. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah, so they're bringing that character back into canon. So there's a lot of this kind of recycling of of some of these things that were good that came out of the expanded universe, out of Legends, and now that they are you know, recognized and stuff by many fans. They are using those those storylines or characters in a different form a little bit uh, in the canon, which is now considered to be this cohesive story, which doesn't diverge or conflict with other stories within the canon, right? So mm-hmm. um, very difficult thing to do. And I think that's what Story Group has been kind of aimed at doing is is kind of trying to keep things consistent a little bit and helping authors make good Star Wars stories as they work in that canonicity. Um, how do you think that they, they've done so far as the years have gone by? I think they've done an incredibly good job as far as keeping everything cohesive. Hmm. Yeah, That's actually the thing I'm probably most impressive with. And now we've talked about this a little bit. The other side of the coin to that is authors are limited in what they can do. They can't really be incredibly creative. Yeah, they can't just kill Chewbacca, right? <laughs> yes, right. They can't just throw moons at Chewbacca. But on the same time, it actually is, it is really cool to know that stuff that happens in a book could show up in a show, right? Because it yeah. is all one universe now. Right. It's not this weird tiered thing. Yeah. So that I like that a lot. Um, and one thing, for example, that I'm actually really enjoying about the new era of novels, even though they've all come out within a couple of weeks of each other, they all reference each other yeah. at the same time, which really makes it feel like one galaxy. Yeah, it's like you're reading one book and then you read the next book. It's like, oh, but it takes place at the same time. And there's cameos yeah. from the characters in that other book in this book now. Yeah, and they reference what their characters are doing in the other books. Yeah, yeah. Which so is pretty it's cool. Like, I like it's that like a lot. You're, it's like you're reading this, this story that's then broken you know how a movie just cuts back and forth between different characters yeah. it's yeah. like as if you were to have a novel format of that just for one character or, or a couple of those characters and then have a full second novel that overlaps with that first novel taking place during the same time with other characters instead mm-hmm. um, it's almost like how the clone wars finale arc overlaps with the entire revenge of the sith movie and how it just goes back and forth and back and forth with yeah, like it's, the it's events. actually pretty similar like that. It, it's so cool, course, right? And like I one really main love, story element, but two different stories. Yeah, and I really love how that's a possibility in the canon because we now we've seen things like 
characters like Saw Gerrera showing up in the Clone Wars that have been animated, then, you know, showing up in some of the books and stuff and then being a, a, a live action character on screen in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we've seen it now in in uh, in Solo. I mean, the narrative of Darth Maul being alive in that time and the acknowledgement of that in a theatrical film on screen without even caring whether or not people have seen the Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels is so bold. It's like, dude, like that's what I need to make this feel like an actual canon cohesive story universe. And that's the things that actually encourage me to keep going with like keeping on top of all this stuff. Yeah. Because because as soon as it is all interwoven. Yeah. Because it is all interwoven. Yeah. Totally. Maybe that is the idea because you feel obligated to read everything that comes out. (laughs) And then you look through this list of 40 or 50 different like junior novels that I didn't know existed. And I was like, oh man, is there going to be a couple needles in the haystack here that I wish I had known going into the next movie or the next Mandalorian episode. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think that's kind of where they, they might draw the line is, is like, Oh, okay. Let's, let's um, not assume people have read this junior novel, but like some of the more notable Del Rey novels, which are kind of the staple books in the star Wars canon timeline so far, as well as the animated series, which are known to be now, part of the main set of pillars that hold up this star Wars empire in a way, um, you know, those are kind of relied on as being the more notable stories. That's like, okay, if you haven't seen the animated shows, you're going to be a little lost, especially going into these live action shows now on Disney plus, uh, which really use the animated shows as a base to build on. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've, no, my always, true. yeah, my, my recommendation to anybody is, is like, you know, watch those animated shows because that's that's kind of where it's at. But <laughs> something that the EU didn't Do not have, resist. though. Yeah, you can only put up so much resistance. <laughs> right, right. Something, <laughs> the main comparison between the EU and the Legends, though, the biggest comparison of them all, I think, is the fact that the Expanded Universe had six movies in the Clone Wars and the Canon Universe has 11 movies a live yeah. action show and three oh, yeah. animated shows, right? So it's like there's so much more actual content to watch in the canon timeline, which many of it now would contradict with that legend source material, but that's not to discourage anyone from reading that stuff. So if you do see a Star Wars book on the shelf and it says legends on it, or even if it's uh, an old copy, which doesn't have the republished banner at the top, uh, and you know, you can always look it up online and, and you can find it very quickly through Wikipedia, whether it's canon or not. But if it is legends, you know, it don't be discouraged from reading it. It's a Star Wars story. And, and at the time when it was written, it was, was written to try and fit as best as possible into that universe. Yeah. And, and some uh, of them are really good. Yeah. Uh, we, we, yeah. We, uh, we, we talked about few. all our, yeah, we talked about all our favorite stuff. And I mean, it's, there's many good Star, Star Wars stories and, yeah, a good rule of thumb is if it says Timothy Zahn in the back, then you should probably read it. Yeah, 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 totally. He's one of the one of the more prominent builders for for this expansive kind of story that's been that's been growing for for a while. But yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And there, there's maybe it's because I haven't read a lot of the junior novels or whatever. But mm. the one thing that I've really noticed is. 
I thought a lot of the non related to the galaxy books that were in the EU were more fun. Like there was more f- like just fun. Let's have an adventure books than what we have now. And I think that's maybe yeah. cause they're afraid to touch on stuff, but I really liked the, the, I mentioned this, the scoundrels book where there's just like this heist. That was a lot of fun. And I really liked the, the zombies that were in mm-hmm. the EU and both of those things could happen in canon and they wouldn't affect anything that could be something off in the corner yeah and it wouldn't be the first time we have some sort of zombie type of story happening i mean in the clone wars we had that 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 brain invaders story arc with the geonosian yeah. worm things that get into people's heads and stuff like that was yeah like it's stuff like that can happen yeah, yeah like stuff like that Star Wars galaxy oh yeah yeah totally like and this one thing that stuck out to me was was i, th- I forget if dave said this or if somebody else said this but um, some of the some of the things that they've done in Star Wars so far, weirdly enough, I think it was Dave Filoni that did say this, but he said the times that Star Wars feels most like Star Wars are the times where it's doing something new and isn't rehashing anything of what Star Wars has done so far. Yep, I can ba- see that. Basically, in his words, it's doing something in Star Wars that hasn't been done before, right? Always, always felt like Star Wars because if you look back at George and his history of making films and Star Wars as a whole, each one of them feels so different than all the others. Even though it's one narrative, each movie itself, the pacing, the plot, everything, it's it's so different. It's pretty different. different. And it doesn't always work out. I think a good example is Attack of the Clones, where they, the first half of the movie, they tried to do like an old PI movie with- Mystery, yeah. With Obi-Wan, right? Trying to track down- the uh the like the Dartless and this bounty hunter who's Jango Fett. And it didn't really come across- I think in the way he wanted it to, it didn't really feel like the the PI just kind of felt like this really slow. Is that well? Is that story? because it's mixed in with the love story, which is the the other second big part of that movie? Like most of the movie is also how the relationship between Anakin and Padme happens, right? Yeah. So so that was something brand new to Star Wars because you get splinters of that in the original trilogy with Han and Leia, but it's not it's not nearly as prominently featured. Right. Uh, a lot of that, those movies are about Luke's journey as a, as a Jedi rather than mm-hmm. the budding relationship between these two other characters. But but yeah, a vast amount of Attack of the Clones was about their relationship. Right. Uh, so a lot of people didn't like that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Was yeah. there was there a new canon novel that was about a heist with the original trilogy characters was that ever a thing was the only there, one there was a there was a book called last shot which is about han and lando after episode six and is around the same time as the aftermath trilogy but i i can't remember whether or not that was a heist book or not um yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to dig through my brain here but no i i can't, can't because remember. honestly i think that's what we need yeah, good heist is, book. Yeah, just a good heist book. I th- actually, I think I did read this last shot book, but I don't remember it too well. Yeah, there was. Um, there's been quite a few different things. One thing also that's been very noticeable to me in the canon compared to Legends is in Legends they had quite a few series. It was like ten books, twenty books. Yeah, you know, all in this one storyline or whatever but in the canon so far the most we've ever had in a in a in a consistent story like that has been a trilogy of books uh we had the alphabet trilogy we got the the thrawn 
trilogy that takes place around Star Wars Rebels. And then we've got the new Thrawn trilogy, which is called Thrawn Ascendancy. Um, so those are, oh, and uh, the the Padme trilogy, which was going to be completed as of later this year with with uh, uh, Queen's Hope, I think it's called, by E.K. Johnson. But so the most we've ever gotten in a consistent storyline is three books, but compared to Legends where we were, they were pumping out like 10 or 20 at, a, you know, one after the next kind of thing in a series is like, a lot of the canon books have been these individual stories that you can just pick up and read and it's about a character or an event or something. And that to me has been really cool because it, it allows people to read a Star Wars book without needing to read other Star Wars books before or after. It just allows you to pick up one from the shelf and you know that it's a single standalone story, kind of like how the movies are designed to be a standalone movie despite being a sequel or a prequel to something else like you can still watch it and enjoy it for what it is and that's how a lot of these new books are being kind of published with the mentality that they're standalone stories right so but that work into a greater a greater narrative like like how we were saying about the higher public three books taking place during the same time each book adds a new layer to the cake but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't mean you have to read those other stories if you don't want to, right? Yeah, so true. And obviously this is just probably because it's the start and as it spreads out, it's I've I bet they will reference each other, but it won't be like this Yeah. Quickly together all at once sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, uh that man, that's a that's a lot of a lot of content to cover and um you know, this topic could go on so much longer, but is there anything you wanted to kind of bring up as a last minute thing? Um, maybe it's too late to talk about it because we're pretty far in, but I I did uh, notice there's a number of things that specifically Dave has been recanonizing that I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Read them off. Yeah. Well, we talked a bit about Thrawn and Bane and Revan. He also recanonized the, the Hammerhead ship, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, that's a good one. From Rogue One. Yeah, actually, I think Rogue One might have done it first. But well, one thing that, or two things that I was really surprised were uncanonized was the Sith, the Sith code. Mm. And uh, the, the Jedi code as well. And Dave was the one who saved those. Yeah. Actually, because yeah, that's they weren't in the movies. Point. Right. That is and, a good point. Yeah, so because they're originally from the KOTOR games, right? Right. I think the Jedi Code might have existed a bit before that, but they actually wrote the Sith Code in KOTOR because there wasn't a Sith version of the Jedi one. Mm. So and where did where did those get recanonized then? The Sith Code was recanonized when uh, we, we re-meet Darth Maul and he's kind of crazy. Oh, he's yeah. He's like one of the... Uh, the things that he's spouting off is actually the Sith code. Right. Okay. Interesting. So, I don't know if I should say re-canonized, but he canonized the EU there. So when Disney wiped it out, it remained canon. Yeah. But the Jedi code was actually uncanonized for three years before it was brought back. And it was brought back in the Dark, the Dark Disciple novel. Which would have been Filoni as well because he wrote Yeah, because that was also Clone Wars. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Dave Filoni, man. Dave Filoni. <laughs> I know. Like, obviously, he, he he is a fan of the EU. I think yeah. he's got a good filter where he knows what stuff's good and should be kept around. 
yeah. and what stuff yeah. shouldn't be. That being said, I'm surprised he's got using Vong on that list because I wouldn't have expected that. A lot, a lot of people thought that was super weird. Yeah, yeah. And well, I, I think he was just toying with the idea, but never really committed, right? Right. So, yeah, what else you got? Uh, we already talked about the Corban, Morban situation, mm-hmm. which I, I thought was actually a pretty clever way to do it. Uh, and, and Filoni also canonized uh, the force power tachometry. What uh, What's that force power again? That's what Quinlan Voss has when you can like pick up stuff oh, and yeah, you yeah, can yeah. see the past of objects. Right. And there apparently, was... uh, I didn't know this, but that was an EU force power that was created to explain how Leia knew what uh, her mother was like. Because in Return of the Jedi, Luke asks Leia what he, she remembers about her mother. Mm. She says... Or just bit, bits and pieces, like emotions mostly. But if she was an infant, she prob- she wouldn't remember Padme. So they ma- that's where they made up the force power, that she would have touched some of her mom's belongings and remembered who Padme was. Yeah. So, uh, what's it called? Psychometry? Techometry, I think. Maybe, Te- maybe it is. Maybe think, it is I psychometry. Think it, I think it's psychometry. Psychometry. Um, yeah. Let me, let me look this up. Force. Power, psychometry. Yeah, psychometry, also known as Sense Echo. So uh, another character in the canon prominently known to many people at this point that has the same ability is Cal Kestis from the, the Jedi Fallen Order video game. Um, Quinlan Voss, another character with it. And there was also a novel that came out two years ago called Star Wars Force Collector, which... Uh, got into a character, a boy who, uh, this is before Force Awakens, and uh, he's uh, a kid who realizes that uh, he has this ability to sense the Force, and when he touches things, he remembers their the objects, memories, or what, what it, where it last was. So he starts going around collecting all these ancient relics and stuff from the old past of the Republic and the Empire and all this and that. And uh, it was about this, it was a single... I think it was a young adult book or something like that. And um, it had something to do with the rise of Skywalker because it was a part of that lineup of books that went into that film. But the story itself took place before the sequels. So I haven't read it yet, but I remember talking to uh, Ian about it and, uh, and I had a dedicated episode about it actually uh, a year ago and uh, it sounded like a really good book. I still just haven't gotten around to it yet, but yeah, yeah. that's actually pretty neat because that force power is supposed to be really obscure. Like nine, over 99% of Jedi can't use it. Right. Right. It's still a rare thing. Luke can't, Anakin can't. Yeah. It makes you wonder though, maybe Palpatine could, and that's why he was able to kind of put this, the, the empire together with his plan and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it would definitely make sense. Um, because he's got all this knowledge that comes from, you know. Yeah, like who, who knows, knows right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we were led to believe it was Plagueis, but who knows now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing is uh, Sith holocrons. Mm. So Sith holocrons weren't, they were decanonized until Rebels brought them back. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it's important to remember that after all these books and comics and video games got wiped from the canon, like really all we had in the canon was the six movies and the Clone Wars. So yeah, whatever so anything Clone Wars, outside that. anything outside of that was just not canon anymore, which was like, it's like, oh, well, anything Disney does at this point could overwrite whatever's been done. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why at first there was a lot of angry people about this, because that was Star Wars to us. Like we had so much invested in this in these stories 
And I mean, even board games and, and miniature games, and there was so much built up around these characters. <laughs> yeah, and and just the lore, the lore itself yeah, was a lot. You know, no longer in a way, no longer relevant until they really started building up more of a foundation of the new canon books and comics and everything. Which now I think there's a fair few of it's a decent amount of content now that we can actually call it like a lore again. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's really quite. Uh, scarce compared to still what's in the the EU the legends timeline. Yeah, it'll fill yeah. out in time though. Yeah, I mean there yeah. was if you exclude the eighties because there was mm-hmm. nothing was really written. That's still twenty years worth of novels, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the next one I, I got here is actually Colto, which I was really surprised was recanonized. Colto. So Col- Colto is the precursor to Bacta. So Colto oh. was created in the the KOTOR books. And one of the planets you go to uh, is a a planet where they they mine the KOTO from the the bottom of the ocean, as well as like uh, they will collect it as it rises, which is kind of the natural way, but Mm. they started trying to steal it from the bottom, which has ill effects on the environment. And KOTO was just re-canonized actually in the New Republic books. In the, oh, the High Republic? The High Republic? Books? Yeah, so yeah, the, the High Republic, which is really interesting because, yeah, it was it was something that was around during the, the Sith Wars. Yeah. And then everything past that uses Bacta. But now that means that Bacta has only been around for le- like less than 100 years because of this novel. 200, yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I think it works basically the same way as Bacta. It's just not as effective. Huh. Yeah, so that's, again, like, canon really shifting around some of these timeline of events, right? Like, um, reintroducing Thrawn at a different point in time now and now with with the... It serves a purpose. Yeah. Because the stuff already exists, maybe doesn't doesn't work in mm-hmm. the same timeline or storyline that it did before, but yeah. the actual story elements are still good. Yeah. 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 It's still like, it's, it's, it's cool to see how they're using legends as a real, like a real base of. Yeah. Stuff. I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad they are because they weren't for a while there. And I think yeah. they realized yeah. that it's worth like using stuff, right. Instead of always coming up with something new, there is, there's this treasure right. trove of, information and storylines and plot elements that are totally usable and were already really well thought out. So why not use that treasure trove? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like how they still use some of the concepts from the films that didn't get used in some of the new yeah, films on, or on Macquarie stuff. Yeah. Or even, even just like, I mean, I've, I've been poking through that star Wars archives book for the prequels and that's where I found the concepts for what's now used as the Jedi Starfighters in the high Republic novels and those concepts were supposed to be clone starfighters for Revenge of the Sith. I, I highly cool. doubt. Yeah, it's crazy to think like George never knew that any of these designs would be later used in books, even beyond him owning that company. Yeah. Those concepts would be used for starfighters that take place in a book. Like that's that's like, you know, it's probably beyond... he still had the rights. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like it's beyond any level of comprehension for 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 most people. But but I mean, especially for me, I'm like. 
yeah, we went through a phase of them not even wanting to acknowledge the legends stuff. And now we're at the point where they're using so much of it again in the yeah. canon. So it's good. It yeah. is really good. I'm glad they've come full circle on that. Yeah. Uh, disruptor rifles were decanonized for a while. Mm, Star Wars Rebels brought them back. Yeah, that's right. Uh, most I thought you were going to jump to Mandalorian. But yeah, the first time we saw them again was Rebels because they yep. were used on the Lasats. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, and something that I didn't know is also Rebels, but you know the the episode with the mal- Malurin fruit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they're supposed to, they're supposed to like get the fruit. They're just given some busy job, Ezra. Yeah, and uh, it's like Uzzel, the Uzzel Uzzel third episode or something. Zeb. Yeah, it's really early. Zeb. Yeah, the, the Zeb. Yeah, they're given just a busy work to go get these Malurin fruit, uh, and I, I thought it was just some random fruit they made up for the episode but it actually is from an old novel called wedges gamble wedges gamble yeah wedges gamble isn't that crazy i had no idea such an obscure thing for feloni to bring back well it makes me wonder if it's people like pablo that are walking by and they're like is that a mango I know what that is. It's a Melurun. And then everyone's like, what? What? <laughs> Just make it purple. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, or, yeah, or maybe. Maybe, if Dave, maybe it's Dave. I would love to know how many Star Wars books Dave Filoni read before even working on Star Wars in I'm general. actually curious about that, too. What yeah. is... Like original his, depth of knowledge was it just yeah. the films or was it like all like a big portion of the novels as well well because i mean it's come out that he had an extensive knowledge of like well a shared perspective of the films the same as george before yeah. he started working at lucasfilm but it makes Which me wonder crazy. yeah like how many things that he had actually read or whatever before before he even started working there because i know that pablo used to play the i mean he he tends to bring this up a lot at celebration and whatever but they him he used to play uh the old uh star wars role-playing game back in the 90s the west end games Mm -hmm. and and that was before he was at the company as well but but i mean that's kind of where his knowledge comes from was originating from from that which was uh i mean we didn't really touch up on it because it wasn't a storybook but um but that role-playing game was actually a prominent piece of building a lot of the Star Wars lore that then future authors used yeah, to make some things in their stories. Yeah. Because it needed to flesh it out so you could play games in this world, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So West End Games, big credit to them for for creating a lot of good Star Wars content in the nineties there. Yeah. I'm sure Wizards of the Coast had something to do with it too. Oh they yeah. Got yeah. Rights. For sure. Uh Sith Inquisitors were uncanonized and re-canonized in Rebels. Hmm. Because, Where do they originally show up? Uh, in the EU, uh, I think they worked directly for like Palpatine. But oh, they, so there's the same thing. Then. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Were they or they were like all trained by Darth Vader, that sort of thing. And but yeah, they were same EU, exactly the same as canon. They were created to hunt down the remaining Jedi. It's exactly the same. Hmm. Yeah. So they just they just reused it. Um now, this is kind of like a half recanonization because we never actually see Dash Rendar again, but we see his ship. Yeah. The, like the Outrider. Yeah. yeah. What's funny is it, it, was, it wasn't in the original cut. It was edited in in the second version of the special edition. Wh- uh, which movie is this? Was this episode four? 
in the uh, mo- in the on on Tatooine, you see it take off or something. Or yeah, was- I think it's episode four. As uh, as they're coming in on the sand speeder, and the camera kind of pans over, yeah, uh, Mos Eisley, you see it take off. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's a nice little nod, you know, to the design of the ships, especially. Yeah. yeah. So we don't know for sure if it's Dash Rendar. It could just be another YT seventeen hundred. But everyone's led to believe Dash Rendar exists. So you get your half-baked Han Solo. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, you know what's what's funny is like Dash Rendar actually does have a canon Wikipedia page. Oh, really? uh, Because he shows up in... The Solo, A Star Wars Story, Tales from Vandor, Replica Journal Book. (laughs) (laughs) Could you be more obscure? (laughs) (laughs) That was the first canonical mention of him. Hey, Um, that means he's back back in the loop, so that's good. Yeah. A lot of people like him. He He was pretty fun. He was really cheesy, so I don't know how much of it they'll keep, but... Right, yeah. Because he was literally created to be a campy version of Han Solo. Yeah. So, because yeah. they, they needed, the creation of him was they wanted to have this adventure story in a game in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And so, Luke's there, Leia's there, Chewbacca's there, but they don't have Han Solo because he's in Carbonite. So they had to make up a filler character and that was Dash Rendar. So it's like a cheap version of Han Solo. Yeah, it's like the B movie yeah. version of Han Solo. Well, you know what's hilarious about that inspiration was even though Dash Rendar never made it into the shows or movies or anything, we did have the gunslinger from The Mandalorian, which is this crack shot kid who shows up pretending to be Han Solo, sitting in the same spot in the That's cantina true. where Han Solo is sitting in, talking all big shot about himself, just like Han Solo. You know, like just... It was, it was, but on a cheesy level, right? Like, it's like, you just can't buy anything he's saying. Whereas Han Solo, you kind of take it more seriously. And then by the end of the episode, he ends up pulling a mistake to get himself killed, which in Han Solo's fashion would survive and make it out with some sheer luck, right? Some luck. Yeah. Right. Scandal's luck. Yeah. I I just thought it funny that, that, that kind of idea for, for a copycat Han Solo was kind of brought in with this gunslinger character, which in a way was also a character to kind of nod to every Star Wars fan out there saying, this is you in this universe. (laughs) (laughs) We'd all be sitting at that cantina table, you know, talking, talking smack about everyone else and, you know, pumping ourselves up being like, oh yeah, Yeah. I'm the big shot around here, right? And then go out and immediately get killed. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Yeah. To me, that's kind of the same thing as George saying, the point of Star Wars is to grow up, yeah, move on. Come, move on with your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something about me. Like, I would I would love to, like, teleport myself into a Star Wars story and, like, just be a Jedi and, like, you know, rocking a lightsaber and just tearing droids up or whatever. But honestly, if I were to actually, if that actually happened, I would die so fast. So fast. Like, yeah. yeah. If I got put into Star Wars, like, my actual self would not survive. 
<laughs> Especially with your be current knowledge. Because yeah. you think that you can handle anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, you, you go out there and, you know, yeah. And I just immediately get force pushed down a giant hole. Oh, I, I'd get, I'd get, I'd get thieved, mugged, and then, and then who knows what in an alley and <laughs> yeah, left to die on the outer rim. <laughs> So it's pro- it is getting really late, so we're probably going to close it up here. But I want to know, what do you think of Galen Merrick and the Force Unleashed storyline? Because I, I really liked it, and I thought it fit in the original Star Wars EU like, uh, overall arcing story. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if it would fit in as well now, just because it, kind of everything that he did mm-hmm. has been done by mostly the rebels crew yeah so that's that's definitely one that that's the way i would put it is the force unleashed has really been overwritten quite a bit by by star wars rebels and and just the entire canonicity which a lot of this like you mentioned way earlier this mass amount of content that they started publishing after they bought the company was really based around the original trilogy which is kind of when the force awakens takes place yeah so Gap. Yeah. So games. Well, even even just the the simple fact of these inquisitors existing all the way through Star Wars Rebels and stuff would contradict, uh, in a way, the the existence of unless they made Galen uh, Merrick a inquisitor, which yeah. they they've already well, kind of. They both put, existed in the EU version, right? So the inquisitors were more so created to work for the empire hunt down jedi you know uh mostly force users that sort of thing where yes galen merrick or star killer did that as well but he was mostly there just to do vader's bidding he wasn't really working for the empire in fact he often worked against the empire yeah yeah or well, Vader's he, secret he was doing Vader's bidding as far as hunting down and destroying the last of the Jedi, which is essentially what an Inquisitor should be doing. But if, yeah, I don't know when the Inquisitors in the in the EU Legends timeline actually died out. Like, it's possible that they might have only existed closer towards Episode Three. Um, but as far as I know from the games, like he's the only one, like the only Sith apprentice kind of character that yeah. exists, well, right? So well, there's also Mara Jade who essentially did the same thing, but she was for the for Palpatine. Yeah, yeah, and then she was a little further down the timeline yeah. a little bit because she Force was known Awakens. as like the Emperor's right hand, the Emperor's hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's a character I I really like, and and of course Sam Witwer playing the character who, you know, has has. <laughs> come back time and time again in the canon yeah, funny storyline that guy has with star wars oh yeah back and forth all the time with his employment but um but yeah i mean it would have been cool to to have him as a character in this inquisitor lineup but i think even dave must have realized how much that character was designed for the games and right. with this level of op power there was and then a lot also, yeah he also, definitely fit in better to the prequel uh, yeah, the O three Clone Wars cartoon that we were talking about, right? That and just like in it, just in the EU in general, where things were all over the scale as far as yeah, you know, comparing things, and and 
the level just his character if it was translated into rebels would have not been doing enough justice because of that right because he right. would have just been True. another minion that would have gotten killed off by the rebels crew or ahsoka or somebody True. right uh, where we look at garen merrick as a, a protagonist which ends up becoming a good person right like a good yeah, guy it's not to say that he couldn't have been converted yeah in the storyline because what i i really expected him to show up in rebels yeah and and the reason why i say that is the first season we had the lead inquisitor so the next season you would think they would need to up the villain but instead we got two lower class inquisitors right they're like not as far up the totem pole so they're Mm -hmm. not as well trained as the guy from the first season which to me feels weird and i was actually expecting uh star killer to show up for that time period between the head inquisitor and thrawn yeah that never happened and i feel like that's a bit of a wasted opportunity because it'd be cool if he showed up and then you actually had that conversion story because it would have i think it would have worked there but Mm -hmm. yeah no i i uh there's ways they could have they could have made it work i think thrawn was an easier one to to work with uh because he had no allegiance other than being the guy in charge of things so yeah but i mean i i I kind of wish they had if i'm forced to pick between thrawn and star killer i would have went with thrawn right for sure yeah Yeah, i also don't know why they couldn't have done both but yeah yeah i don't know i mean you know it's always possible that we might one day see uh, the return of this character in some form uh, it's happened before it could happen again and and I think honestly the closest comparison I can make to Galen Ursa at all is he in the EU in Star Wars Legends was in a way the apprentice to Anakin Skywalker and yeah, in honestly, canon he is we have Ahsoka. Ahsoka yeah and they both do backhanded lightsaber stances they <laughs> yeah. both end up dual wielding uh, yep. They they both have Anakin as a master in one way or another, and they yeah. both end up fighting Vader. So and you know what? <laughs> and what they, you both the, they both have uh, uh, outcomes in in the creation of the rebellion. <laughs> yeah, honestly, what you described is exactly why I thought it would have been a great story because that's when Ahsoka shows up. Then how cool would it be to have Anakin's previous Padawan confront Anakin's or Vader's in this case? new padawan and then they're forced to have that uh storyline dynamic and then if they were to stick mm. to the original storyline of star killer he would then be over time converted by ahsoka yeah i don't know i mean yeah it's a good question i, th- I think i think and then yeah. they could do storyline where he like maybe he was there during the battle against vader and then gets killed or something but it's it's a it's all cool ideas that I would love to. I mean, obviously, I would love to see the character again. Um, and and after the second game finished, it, it was this was even before the Disney acquisition. But the third game was just canceled uh, because of creative differences and this and that, and they just never got around to it. And yeah, you know, and well, then the now it's never. One was kind of a hodgepodge. Yeah, yeah, they had a lot of issues. But the guy who made the stories for like the creative director of those games, he had left after the second one. Um, so to me, I was like, okay, well, we're not going to get a sequel of that anyways. And this character never showed up again after that. So um, 
it's too bad. I mean, I really like that that storyline quite a bit. And those games kind of, um, you know, came out around the same time as as all this other cool Star Wars stuff that came out after Episode Three. Yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of playing uh, the first Force Unleashed game and then getting really excited and then running around my basement holding my lightsaber backwards because it looks so badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. All right, guys. Well, we're uh, we're running short on time uh, now that it's been quite a while. It's been a supersized episode today, so let's hit the outro. Thanks again, Blake, for, for coming on the show. And uh, obviously, we'll catch you in the next one. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning into the show. As always... Please uh, give us a rating. Five stars really helps us out. And uh, as well as a review, if you're on the iTunes, you know, just drop one down there. Helps with the algorithms, helps people find the show in the in the first place. And uh, that really that really does do us a, a lot of emotional positivity. Just knowing that you guys are out there listening to us and following uh, following some some simple ways to just help the show grow to a wider audience. So that that's uh, that's that's kind of my number one please and thank you sort of thing, because we don't make any profit from the show, as you know. So uh, a little bit of news on the animated after show front. Obviously, Bad Batch is around the corner premiering on May the 4th with the first two episodes, I believe it is. But uh, you also might have noticed that it's been a while since we had a Rebels Talk episode, which was actually quite popular when it first launched. And so we are looking forward to revisiting that series. It's just been a while. And obviously, Diego has been uh, on vacay for a bit. Uh, he's He's been taking a step back from the Star Wars world for a little while. He's just a bit burned out. And uh, he is looking forward to coming back to resume that project so i have pulled the episode and will relaunch it at a later time when he's ready to do so and then we'll be heading straight on in through season one and beyond to season four he's looking forward to that as well as the bad batch but uh, again just needs a bit of breathing room for now with the star wars chat so uh, as you can understand you know keeping up with a fandom like this it can get a bit much at times <laughs> all right guys thanks again for tuning into the show and we'll see you next time on star wars escape bot may the force be with you Thank <laughs> you.